let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. This is episode number 94 here on Monday, August 13th, 2018. Thanks so much for being back with us as we romp through the world of retro wrestling. I, of course, am Joe Morata, joined as always by Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy doody. How you doing, sir? I'm good. How's that new apartment working out for you? Oh, it's working. It's working, right? Yeah, it's a place that I live at. You have a couch and everything? I do have a couch. I have a chair. You have your own chair. I have a TV. I have two TVs. What a crazy concept, right? What a wacky world we live in. (laughs) What is this, Back to the Future? (laughs) Folks, uh, we're going to go back to the future as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling. You like that one, Quinn? Well, we're not going back to the future. We're going to the past. Well, we're (laughs) going to go back to the past in the future in this episode. Oh, I got okay. you. Uh, before we get to any of our wonderful topics for the year 1994, I want to remind you, if you haven't yet, go follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is OVPPodcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, the place if you want to hang out with me, you, and a bunch of other retro wrestling fanatics is the Facebook group. It's on Facebook, um, which is a website that uh, you can go to. It's yes. called facebook.web.friends.group.icapro. You go over there, right? Type that whole address in to see where that gets you. But yeah, please show us. If, you, if you're having trouble, just type .com. It's like kind of the exit door to get right to Facebook. It's like the back door to Facebook. Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, .com. When you, if you put that on the end of anything on the internet, you'll get somewhere. <laughs> and, and what happens there? Over there, there's gifts and fun things. <laughs> yes, there the are. funnest of things, like uh, pictures of El Gigante carrying midgets or <laughs> pictures of Kane holding a baby. Yeah, or Photoshop versions of the same. It's a fun and time. There's polls. If you guys, if there's something we're deciding, you're part you know, of it. Everyone's part of everything around here. Everyone's in everyone's business. Yeah, there's a lot of business going on. And we do, uh, we welcome everyone from any wrestling background, right? I mean, so, yeah. like, if you were around in the 70s and you're like, oh, I like that super star Billy Graham a real lot and then you stopped watching because it got boring but if you're like a modern fan that's kind of learning about the retro whatever the case may be we welcome you we are a very friendly welcoming community Quinn I, I would say very we have friendly a welcome mat um, we do before you type facebook.com like when it's loading you see the mat and you can just clean your feet on it before you come in and yep. then you're in really you're, you're in and yeah. we want to have you there so go over to the group facebook.com slash group slash OVP podcast I shortened the URL did you know that oh recently? is that real yeah how it do is. you do that uh, I don't know. Some, is somewhere that in the web settings. wizardry or something? <laughs> yeah, uh, some yeah. sorcery. I didn't know that was a thing you yeah, could do. That's very cool. And uh, one other thing I want to mention, because I forgot to last week, it's posted on the group, though, is we are counting down to OVP 100. Oh, right. 100 years. 100 years of OVP. And right. what we want is we want to hear from you. If you're listening and you've been listening and you like the show and you want to send us a one to two minute clip, you can email it to us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. We're going to play every single clip we get on OVP 100. Yeah. So send it on over. You have like a, a month or so, maybe a little less than a month to get it over there if you want to make fun of us if you want to you know give us a shout out anything you want to say one to two minutes the floor is yours you will be heard on OVP 100 and Mick Price you better do it later on also we're going to have some information on some friends of the show and our Patreon but before we do that Quinn we're obviously recapping the the decade that uh, really shaped us as wrestling fans 
Yeah, I would 90s. say so. I would say so. And it's a decade that we watched a lot of wrestling from. And last year, we talked about the great year that was 1993. Some highlights were Ric Flair returns to WCW. Hogan returns and leaves. Paul Heyman takes over ECW. And Yokozuna. That was 1993 in a nutshell. But here is 1994 in a nutshell. Welcome, everybody. The revolutionary force in sports entertainment. As the biggest night in the history of this great organization. Oh my God! Good guys versus bad guys. The WCW. New World Order. It sucks. Ah, 1994 in a nutshell. Quinn, this was a very interesting year, wasn't it? Uh, This is like Joe's favorite year ever because he started (laughs) watching the wrestling. Oh, thank you for remembering. Yes, I did get into wrestling in the summer of 1994. We'll touch upon that very briefly, I guess. But Quinn, I want to start off the year in the WWF here. Uh, Something very sad and tragic happened in January of 1994. Yeah. The Undertaker died. Yep. Has he died after that? He died a couple times. Okay, so this was the first time he died. (laughs) Wasn't he dead already? Not yet. This was the first death. Then he was a zombie. Was he, like, almost dead (laughs) up to this point? Because, like, Bobby the Brain, he's not alive, like, all the time. Death never takes a holiday. Why don't you stop? Obviously, we're referring to the uh, the casket match, the infamous casket match at Royal Rumble 94, where the world champion, as Quinn mentioned, Yokozuna, Yakazuma, I think he's called. In right. some circles. Y- Yakazuma, according to Virgil. <laughs> Only according to Virgil. Yeah. This Yakazuma. He, uh, <laughs> he killed The Undertaker. Right. Well. They helped kill The Undertaker here anyway. Here's the thing. Yeah. I don't like any of this because <laughs> he needed, like, the help of every heel on the roster. Inc- yeah. Like, wasn't, like, wait, was Ludwig Borga there yet? No. Help, but no, it, but it, crush. It was people like that. <laughs> oh, a Teneru. Yeah. Teneru. Wasn't a. The what, Great the, Kabuki. Yes. The guy with the face paint. Yeah. Diesel. Adam Bomb. Some of the poorest. Jeff like, Jarrett. Assistants. <laughs> assistants. Yeah, yeah. Ed Shrinkers for no Jarrett reason. Jarrett was like new to yeah. when he looked stupid. He looks really dumb. Yeah. And this is obviously where The Undertaker was like, now everyone's going to know that I'll never die. Even though he died. Right. And, and then, then he- Marty Jannetty <laughs> went through the roof and it was all good. Yeah, Marty Jannetty was through the roof. It's not Jannetty, by the way. And, and, and that happened basically so that the super sleuths later on down the, the year right. could look for him. Yes. Uh, that would be George Kennedy and Leslie Nielsen. Right. Uh, more on that later, of course. But that was, uh, that was sad because the Undertaker died, and then he never wore the gray again except at WrestleMania 13. Right, as a tribute, JR. We'll have to cover that in 1997. <laughs> yes, that Undertaker Just only that note, like, <laughs> in, like, March or whatever. Gwen, in February, something a, a little bit better happened. WCW held Super Brawl 4, and notable because Ric Flair, who was... By this point, like Quinn mentioned, in 93, he returned. He was the guy again, right. especially after Sid uh, did the stabbing to right. Arn. With the scissors or yeah. pencil or... Safety scissors. Right. And didn't Vader break it up or something? No, no, I don't think Vader broke no, it up. No, I thought oh, maybe he did it up. actually. I thought yeah. he was the big hero. He might have actually. Yeah. And uh, so Flair had been the man again since Starcade. He was the world champion and he defeats Vader in a rematch in a Thunder Cage, which is basically a really stupid looking domed cage. Was this. 
Good. I, I'm probably really. remem- misremembering because WCW has so many of these dumb things. But did this is this the same type of cage where like RoboCop was involved at some point, and also the one where Mick Foley like got electrocuted yes. or Abdul the Butcher or something? Yeah, Abdul the Butcher got electrocuted. They were just like reusing it. That's a type of a uh, situation we had here. But what another notable thing is that. The boss, Ray Trailer, big boss man from WWF, was the special ref. And this kind of kicked off a really good feud in 94 between Vader and the boss. None of that would matter, though, because, you know, somebody is coming. And then his cronies are going <laughs> to come for you, brother. So in March, it was WrestleMania 10. And that is probably their last last real gasp of the glory days for a while, I would say. Yeah, well, I mean, it's also kind of like the new generation pay-per-view at the same time. Yeah, okay, it's a bridge. I always say this about WrestleMania 10. I think that WrestleMania 10 is a very, very good show. It is. But I think that it gives off the wrong impression to uh, passers-by when they're going through the vault of tapes that, like, 1994 was some great... A prosperous year for the World Wrestling Federation. You know what? That's a fair point, Quinn. Yeah. Obviously, it's opened by Brett Owen, which is one of my favorite matches ever, and I know you and I both agree it's a very good match, right. Brett Owen. It's an awesome match, and Brett wins the world title at the end against Yoko. And then it's followed up by um, the Macho Man tying Crush-Up <laughs> on a thing or something. Yeah, poorly. And poorly, and still, like, Crush doesn't he can't I can't get out like what What the fuck is that I don't know it always pissed yeah. it always pissed me off too yeah. you know what's funny that Savage and Crush feud the intensity level was really good in the build to it in like 93 well the, you can't tell at that match no you know what the problem is Crush is really bad at wrestling oh yeah he's poor if, if that was a better opponent that would have been like an all-timer that feud you know what always bothered me about that match this is just a random uh musing but you remember when at like Macho Man's music's playing at the beginning, and then he just randomly yells Ooh, something yeah. on the mic. And yeah, it, for no reason. But it sounds like it's part of Crush's music yeah, because of the way it fades or something. It's and really strange. It was weird to I me. I don't know about that. you. I, I just had that memory just now. Do you want to hear a clip of it right now? Sure. In the ring within 60 seconds. So there you have that. Yeah. Also at that show, Luger chokes, you know, because Perfect had the jumpsuit. And the jumpsuit. But I mean, he got what was coming to he him did. at WrestleMania 9. He cheated. You know, you play Narcissus, and the, the swishy pants are going to come after you. So, And obviously, Quinn, we want to mention the ladder match, uh, Sean versus Razor. How do you, groundbreaking at the time, how do you think that holds up now when you watch it in 2018? I think it looks like the first uh, mainstream ladder match, what you would think. Couldn't have said it better like myself. It, it's not as good as the others because they all build off of it. So it's, But you it's know, a great foundation. Yeah, it's a good foundation. Mainstream, meaning televised, because the other one was just on like Coliseum Video on right. which one? I don't um, even remember. Smack and whack them. Smack and whack them. Brett had a bunch of them with Bad News Allen in uh, Stampede right. in like 80-something, uh, mm-hmm. 81 maybe. But Sean Razor was cool because it introduced the use of the ladder as a weapon more than anything. Whereas the Sean Brett one, the ladder was kind of incidentally used as a weapon. I felt like Sherry interfered more in that. Yeah. <laughs> like she was the weapon. Right. Like. She was. And this was kind of Vince's uh, kickoff. Of the new generation. When Bret Hart won the world title from Yoko at the end of WrestleMania 10, finally our long national nine-month nightmare of Yoko as champion was over. Yes, the Japanese no longer held the title. <laughs> Bret was a great American. Yeah. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> you know, my mom is actually born in New York. Yes, like, that's his excuse. <laughs> and, uh, and Vince is barking at the end of, that's ah, the blast off of a new generation, blah, blah, blah. Well, it was. And it was, but that not, was, not a good thing. was a yeah. very good generation. Yeah. The blast off of the next decade in the World Wrestling Federation. Let's move forward, speaking of new things, though, Quinn, to April of 94. I know this 
This is something you had explicitly told me you wanted to mention when we were in the production stages of yes, season 10. Because it's it to me, it does set the stage for something big is afoot. It's very, yeah, it's afoot, is it? Never yeah. mind. In April, New Japan Pro Wrestling, you ever heard of them? We barely talked about we them. We never really but do, there's right? there's a reason There's here. a reason. They held its first ever Super J Cup at Sumo Hall. Quinn, explain what the Super J Cup tournament concept was It here. was a tournament devised by Jushin Thunder Liger mm-hmm. to highlight what later we would call cruiserweights, yeah. but junior heavyweights in Japan, so Super J. Super J, exactly. And it was a, you know, it was a single elimination tournament, and it was just, it was a good night of junior heavyweight wrestling. There's no other matches. I've watched the show. Right. But it, what it is, is it's the breakout for all these names, like literally everyone other than like Ghetto and shit. Yeah, Ghetto like, and a few others. Yeah, are like, but actually he's now a big name because he's the booker of New Japan yeah. for wrestling, which is good now. And he's he's, he's like, annoying. Yeah, but <laughs> he he's was praised annoying. as a good wrestler, right. a good booker. But some of these guys, just to give you folks that might be unfamiliar, um, give you an idea here. Dean Malenko was in this. Eddie Guerrero as Black Tiger, I believe right. it was. Hayabusa, you ever right. heard of him? He would be a big deal in the 90s. Yep. Jushin Thunderlager himself. Taka Michinoku, an right. early young appearance by him. The great Sasuke and the winner of it all who defeated Sasuke in the finals. Wild Pegasus, who you might know as... His he- lordship, Voldemort himself. <laughs> Chris Benoit. Yeah. Uh, so the Super J was important to North American wrestling because a lot of this stuff that was going on would get imported, the style and some of the wrestlers, by mainly Paul Heyman, amongst other people, uh, as the 90s would roll on. Right. Late 94, throughout 95. If you watch this, believe it or not, it's like watching a tournament of WCW Nitro opening yeah, matches. Like, right, like, right. It's awesome. Yeah. Like, it's actually cool. A lot of names that you would recognize later that, yeah, WCW would snap them up after ECW. Right, and looking at it, you can tell, I mean, clearly Bischoff saw this, and another Paul guy Heyman. saw, Paul, saw it was Paul Haven, and he saw it first, obviously. <laughs> he did see it first. Yeah. And in May, Quinn, this is just a, a, a notable thing, because it's a great wrestler, uh, a unique character, and this would actually be the last time he wrestled, May 1st, 1994. He was fighting Sting in Japan, and his name was Rick Rude. He's put out of action, Quinn, due to a brutal like bump on his tailbone. Yeah, kind of uh, out of nowhere, too, right? Out of nowhere, just on that like platform that there was. And he was only 35 years old when he wrestled this last match. I'll say this. Good thing he had that Lloyds of London insurance. Oh, yeah. That's probably part of the reason why I never even now, attempted to wrestle again. Just because we're here with Rick Rude right now and the Lloyds and all this... This Lloyds, they're like a plague on the wrestling industry in the 90s because there are a lot of the reasons why certain guys would just like, they weren't even like really finished right. and they would just like stop wrestling. Notably, Kurt Hennig. Yeah. He would always rely on the Lloyds. And when it finally, like, they canceled his policy or something, I'm yeah. not even kidding. Well, he, That's, kept doing, that- <laughs> he kept stopping and starting again. Right. From like it's 91 like, onward. They, they rightfully were like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's not perfect. Yeah. But, uh, on the subject of Rick Rude real quick before we move on to June here, Quinn. Sad that he stopped wrestling when he still clearly had gas in the tank, right? I mean, Yes, and, and before he would pass on when we get later in the decade, yeah. uh, he was actually training for a comeback. He so was. He, he was, was, was going to try to come back at 40 or something? Yeah, he was going to be at 40. Which I is guess. not very old in wrestling. Honestly, he, it's not. I mean, when we see some of the people <laughs> that go on here. You know, speaking of which, Quinn, in June, while Roddy Piper is fighting Jerry Lawler, as Art Donovan gets ignored at King of the Ring 94. Yeah, we already covered him yeah. a couple episodes ago. Gorilla, is the partner getting any, uh, any air at all? Uh, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. That's okay. 
Uh, WCW had done something pretty impressive. Quinn, they signed the one and only Mr. Wrestling himself, again, in North America at this time. Hulk Hogan thumbs up, paraded them around the Disney MGM and ticker tape <sighs> parade, which has still angers me 24 years later. It angers later. me and Joe because of its boisterousness and stupid. It's just so dumb. There's nothing likable There's about like, that. Okay, this is why I hate it. He's in like a red Corvette or something. Convertible. Yeah, yep. Corvette convertible thing. Like Mickey and Minnie are like dancing in front of the car. Jimmy Hart's with them. Jimmy Hart's there, his longtime manager. <laughs> For a uh, year. They actually say that. <laughs> they always do. And, yeah. And mean Gene's there. I was like, give me a break. This is amazing. Put your John Hancock there, Hulk <laughs> yeah. Hogan. Actually, I think he says John Henry, which is the wrong phrase yeah, to does use. Does fucking Hogan even say anything? Every time I see the clip, he's just smiling and like waving and holding babies and like putting his thumb up. <laughs> I've gonna have you with uh, your john henry kudos to wcw for doing something right yeah they, um, i mean this is the thing they had to do they immediately put him into a pay-per-view match the following month uh, at a uh, bash of the beach with the hastily heel turned rick flair but holy shit did they waste no time and it's like finally for once just hot shotting that made sense because it felt like the biggest middle finger yeah. to like Vince possible. It's like, yeah. why didn't everyone like everyone like two years ago was like, what the fuck? Like, why didn't you do this? Right. And like WCW is just like, here you go, Mister yeah. T's involved. It's crazy. It's, yeah, Mister T was there. Yeah, it's he's so all weird. fat and stuff, and he wearing is. like America pants. You remember? He's pitying some fool. Yeah. <laughs> the fool that made those pants. He's not a star anymore, but no. people just wanted to see this match. He was a borderline star in 86 against yeah. Piper, to be he honest. He wouldn't be a star again until those, like, Snickers or whatever commercials. Collect, yeah, whatever I, I, some, like, low-level commercials where they were like, wait, Mr. T exists? <laughs> like, Dial 1-800-COLLECT. Aren't all collect calls the same? That's just jibba-jabba. Hogan's signing would have long-term implications unforeseen at this time. At this time, it was like, all right, Hogan's here. We're going to inject some classic WWF into this, which they did. No one, I think, in 94 foresaw the New World Order, but that'll obviously become well, a big player right. in shaping the 90s wrestling. But, I mean, other things would get injected, like a bunch of Hogan cronies. Speaking of injections, Quinn, after having been yep. <laughs> indicted in November of 1993... The infamous Vince McMahon steroid trial began in July of 1994. He was acquitted, despite testimony from uh, Kevin Walcott's nails uh, and Hulk Hogan himself and a few others. Was Kevorkian involved with this, too? <laughs> Whatever his name is. Zahorian. Very similar names. Yeah. He just confused me as a kid. Yeah. Vince is acquitted on all charges of conspiring to distribute steroids. Uh, an actual quote from Vince McMahon, I had to include this, is, <laughs> I'm elated, just like in wrestling, in the end. The good guys always win. Vince sure is a good guy. He's a good guy. But I mean, okay, the implications of this trial, not really like... fuck them. Well, first of all, wasn't Vince going to have like Jerry Jarrett take over the company and Vince would run it from prison or something? Like a fucking mafia job here. (laughs) First of all, there was that, right? Yeah. Second of all, like the fact that nothing happened, all of a sudden Vince was out of the pokey. He didn't really go, but I'm saying he was, he, he was clear of the poke. He didn't have to wear his neck brace anymore and all that <laughs> shit. And now he's left. He comes back and the company's like in shambles. It's like, horrible. Like, it's so bad it's, when he gets back. You know what, though, for Vince, as much as he loves the company and as much as he is a workaholic, and I give him credit for that, 
right? I bet this is one of the few periods of time, maybe the only, where he probably didn't care about the company. He just right. didn't want to go to jail, right? right? Wouldn't you think? I, I would think so. I would hope so, honestly. But yeah. that was, um, you know, that had a lot of news coverage. I was breaking into wrestling at the time, but I think I even remember on the regular news seeing things yeah. about this. I remember Vince McMahon's neck brace on this. That's what I, I really remember. Do remember yes. that. No, being I'm like, totally with also you. Also being like, who the fuck is this guy? Because yeah. I wasn't like fully into wrestling. I just seen like, this was like, I was just getting introduced. Joe was like full bore, yeah. but I was like, I had a friend who would like show me matches yes. around this like summer period. He was like your mentor. Yeah. <laughs> your wrestling mentor. Yeah. Vince McMahon came in wearing a neck brace and smiling in his second week on trial for steroid selling conspiracy. That was a big deal. Obviously, the WWF was in the, by 94, as we covered in 92 and 3. Public opinion of wrestling in general and the WWF public interest not very high. It was basically the gorilla who cares soundbite era. Yeah, okay. like like the whole thing, <laughs> the whole de- yeah. tenure. Of but all a this. lot of stuffs going on underneath, and that's why I think yes. this year to me is like one of this is going to be the big like yeah. a lot of seed change i guess right say. i mean we already covered the super j which would influence wrestling right uh, north american wrestling directly or indirectly but in august while the undertaker was busy fighting chains right <laughs> or uh, not ready for prime time brian lee the Undertaker uh, mm-hmm. at SummerSlam, ecw had been doing something they had first of all a tournament right for the new nwa world champion before we get into the goings on of this think of how big of a deal that is alone the fact that ECW had got to this point where they were considered the biggest NWA territory, which for them, that's like a graduation. It's like being recognized. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Other than WWF and WCW, this is they are the true leader otherwise. Yeah. I mean, think about it. This is the promotion that just two years ago was formed. A little Eastern Championship Wrestling out of yep. Philadelphia with a owned by Todd Gordon, booked by Eddie Gilbert. Paul took it over in September of 93. And they were, they were rocking and rolling before this. A lot of people yeah. don't seem to remember. They think everything happened no. after Shane Douglas. No, the they public enemy good. was going uh-huh. going strong. Sabu, and, I think, and Taz Sabu, were already there. Taz, Shane Douglas himself. Sandman was there. So, yeah, so like, and all the controversial great storylines that people remember, all that shit was happening. It was already going on. It was ongoing. This was just like almost a side thing. This yeah. NWA thing coming in. So Shane Douglas, and we've covered this before wins the nwa world title Mm -hmm. world in quotes there at this point throws it down says you know dead promotion died seven years ago but right at the same time and is as as cosmetic as this is quinn it was the perfect time to do it and the perfect renaming as eastern championship wrestling folded as todd gordon said gordon famously comes on the next episode this morning i folded eastern championship wrestling in its place will be extreme championship wrestling well, as of noon today, I have folded NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling. In its place will be ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling. I gotta say something. You can say Paul something. Was a genius in a sense to the way he executed this by not telling Dennis Corluzo or whatever the NWA because dweeb. because this fucking guy like storms out angry and God, it looks so great. It does. Like it looks perfect and it's real like that's this a guy, legit shoot yes yeah like and it's it's like they literally gave the nwa the finger and what it represents is that the nwa has been ejected from yeah. like ecw won't even take them you know what quinn you're right that finally kind of ties that together from 1991 as the nwa's prominence was on right. a slow decline since 90 well really since the 80s but 
in the 90s, you know, the WCW split ties with them. The title became meaningless. WCW kind of absorbed the lineage, even though they really had no real right to. That was the whole thing. And now at this point, uh, Shane Douglas, basically just the pissing on the cake. It's done. Like it, it is. Does, it does not matter it anymore. It really like, doesn't. And that's significant for the 90s, you know? If they were dead in 1991, this was ECW putting the death knell in the coffin. Yeah, put like, them in the ground, you know right, what I mean? Yeah, Get like, the Undertaker or the fake Undertaker the out there. The fact that this small promotion had a guy in the ring literally throw their belt and said, this sh- picks up the shitty ECW title. Yeah. Like, this, is, this means more. Yep. That's how shitty your belt is. And that'll come into play a little bit later. We're going to review uh, some ECW later. No right. surprises there. It's in the title. You know, we'll be getting into some ECW from 94. But Quinn, another sad one. Another injury. Another right. retirement. Ricky Steamboat in September had to retire. Yeah. He also mean, suffered a, a tailbone injury. Uh, to be fair, Ricky Steamboat was fading. He was about 40 years old. So. I, he, it, it seemed almost just about right. Like, that one didn't yeah. feel weird, him stopping. It didn't feel weird because he was like 40. I bet you he would have gone another year or two, and who knows what yeah. that would have done. You know, it he was, might have even had another WWF run in him. He might have uh, switched sides. He, he could have. He's right? one of those guys. Like he could have. He never like lost it, which no. is what I always found remarkable about him. Yeah, like no, even you're right. at like fifties, like yeah, I'll just do my usual yeah. shit. Like, and he was believable as yeah. a babyface that could come back and win as he ever had been in that yeah. two thousand nine run. But so Ricky Steamboat retires September ninety four in October, perhaps as a sign of things to come for the new generation. The longtime All American Wrestling on USA Network ended its eleven year run, and it was replaced with Quinn Action Zone. See, I was going to say Good Riddance, but Action, Action Zone. Zone's worse. Action Zone, the glass table era. Not it doesn't about just about begin here. Or uh, no, I thought glass table ninety five. Yeah, okay. But it's the only good thing Action Zone did is its first few weeks they had a few good important matches, and then after that, it was like the Vince was on it in the beginning. Yeah. You, know, you know, you've always uh, talked about the Vince handoff. Yeah, the Vince handoff where he shows up for like three weeks and then is like, "What is this show? I don't. <laughs> I didn't make this." Like, you know what he does. I absolutely know. Yeah. So. Just indicative of a new generation dawning. Uh, in November of 1994, one of the things I hated as a kid, Bret Hart loses the world title. And we didn't mention this last week in worst, uh, in the Death Valley of world title 90s pay-per-view matches. But yeah. holy shit, to Bob Backlund, a.k.a. A, the chicken wing match. In a chicken wing for a half an hour. Awful. Mr. Bob Backlund, the psychopathic uh, heel character, wins the world title. Mm-hmm. Horrible. To me as a kid, I mean, just now, horrible. Now, this match, now, again, <laughs> this is going to sound really weird, and maybe you, maybe this will uh, entice some people, but we did a Patreon, right? Yeah, yeah. 1982 recently. Yeah. And now we know the origins of the move, which is really funny because he, he yeah. the first match ever that he ever did it on was Johnny Rods. Johnny Rods, he mentioned, he talks about how he learned it from two 12-year-olds or right something. Right, after that. But it's just funny now, like, now, <laughs> now again, this match holds more meaning. Like, I always thought this was a weird thing in general. This whole feud was weird. I liked the Backlund character because it was yeah. like a really good use of him. Right. And clearly they were just, uh, they transitioned the title from Brett to Backlund, and then Backlund, three days later, loses it to Kevin Nash. And in a record-setting eight seconds, Diesel becomes the new World Wrestling Federation champion! The Diesel era wasn't very good. Let me just be no. very blunt about it. Right. It sucked. Okay. It's it's the dawning of a shit era. It really was. A, a year of crap. And it was the year that... And you were starting to watch right around this time, too, yep. right? This so. is why I probably am such a good fan in a weird way because <laughs> what a good the, fan 
Meaning that, like, I always, in my brain, have, like, hopes. Like, even now, like, I'm like, it can get better someday. Because when I started watching, this is how bad it was. That's right. So there's always that hope, you know? always that hope. In general, and uh, to wrap up December here, I just want to mention last week, last year, 1993, I read off a bunch of WWF departures in 1993. Okay. This year, I want to read you a list of WCW uh, acquisitions from the WWF or former WWF names. No particular order, but here we go. Bobby Heenan. Good acquisition. Yep. Sensational, uh, a.k.a. Sensuous Sherry. Good acquisition as well. Earthquake, a.k.a. Avalanche. <laughs> Big Boss Man. The Boss. And that turned out pretty good the first pretty year. Pretty good. Yeah, the, the Boss and Guardian Angel era. Yeah. Hulk Hogan. Perfect. That's a great one. <sighs> the best one. It, the it most really monumental is. one. Brutus, uh, Brother Brutai, the Butcher Beefcake. <laughs> I know. Crony. Now, now, cronyism. Now, how many... Have we hit any cronies so far? Uh, he's the first. Jimmy Hart, which, again, face Jimmy Hart <laughs> is the most annoying human being I've ever seen on TV, film, motion, pictures, comic strips, anything. You name it. Honky Tonk Man. Crony. That is pure cronyism. <laughs> Who the fuck wants to sign the Honky Tonk Man in 94? Well, he was that big, hot heel <laughs> still in 1994. Oh, yeah, remember? hot. So was hot. He, how long he been out of the WWF by that <laughs> like point? Four like, four years! Yeah. He was a mattered not a wit. I didn't even know he existed. <laughs> right! He, was there. he wasn't even there long no. anyway, though. He got into some pay dispute with Bischoff, and Bischoff's like, fuck you. I don't- <laughs> Why is he asking? <laughs> Who for- does he think he is? <laughs> what honky tonk, man? He's like- such crap. Yeah. Barry Darso came in as the blacktop bully. Right. Which was fine and wasn't eh. great or anything. Well, he did wrestle on that truck. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. The truck. Yeah. They got fired for blading, remember? Him and Dustin. What? Like, what? It's wrestling. Haku comes in as Meng. I like that. I'm okay with that, but is he a crony, technically? He's the bodyguard version. He's yeah. not. No, he's not a Hogan crony. Was he a Hogan bodyguard? No, I don't think so. I forget who he rolled with. Well, Steve Kern came in. Great. <laughs> what? <laughs> Pat Tanaka came in. <laughs> Wonderful. Hacksaw Jim Duggan came in. The that's a crony. The mid-card Hogan, of course. Now, he, yes. was, he became the U.S. champion when he came in, right? Yeah, unfortunately. He beat Steve Austin in like 30 that seconds. Was the most, that was very upsetting. To me, that's the most like fitting. Like That's the most like the title that should be on the right. Like, yeah. It's like <laughs> hit you over the head like Mr. USA yeah. is the U.S. Like, I always like that for some dumb reason. And then finally, in December of 94, after leaving the WWF in November, WCW acquires the Macho Man, Randy Savage. Thank God. So he didn't have to sit on his ass and be Babe Ruth over there. Yeah, he he was not having it. He took his number three jersey off and said, I got to get in the game. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Macho Man, Randy Savage. The more time goes on and the more I, you know, sniff out some of this old WWF 94 stuff, the more I get why Savage left. He left because he wanted to wrestle. Right. That's it. Yeah. He wanted to wrestle. He had a very simple demand. He wanted to wrestle. I'm in a wrestling company. I want to wrestle. I'm a wrestler. Yeah. This is what I do for a living. I've been doing it my whole career. It's called the World Wrestling (laughs) Federation. I want to wrestle. And Vince is like, "Ah, we got to do quang matches. Yeah. He's like. Okay, I'm just going to go to uh, WCW. <laughs> and they pay him handsomely to do it. I'll very tell you. handsome. Yeah. Very yeah. handsomely. There's some handsome. And it showed that Savage had about three years left in the tank. He was great. He yeah. was great for the, like, the next three years. He yeah. was really good. So that is 1994 in a nutshell. Crappy year for the WWF overall. There's some highlights. You know, We didn't even touch upon all of it. Honestly, for WW- WCW, the first six Hoganless months are very good. 
Yeah. Then it starts to get weird. But business wise, it's a it very they get a lot of visibility. Yes. It is whatever you think of like the booking or the stories or whatever. Right. Fucking Hulk Hogan was there. People gave a shit. People knew what the hell WCW was, which is like something you can't say for the entire existence up to that point yeah, of WCW. Absolutely. ECW was really great in ninety four. It was starting to really make uh headways. People in the Northeast we're starting to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Like Paul talks about people were starting to come down from New England and come up from, you know, Washington, D.C., sure. like they in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. People were traveling to see it. So they were making headwinds, too, as far as uh, availability and uh, visibility. I would say that was the year where they really developed that famous ECW cult following. Right. It was 94. It, that's like the start of it. That's yeah. their big year where and they that's started. that's only like a year or two after they existed. It's amazing, so that's right? pretty. It's pretty good growth. It is. And, uh, you know, so some really cool things did happen in 1994. Folks, we want to know yours. Give us your 1994 in a nutshell. You can do that by reaching us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can reach us at OVP Podcast at gmail.com or just do whatever one that's doing. Just join the group. It'll be great. Just do it, you dingus. So when we come back, it's a very uh, hard... Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. And that is coming up right after this. This cream cheese dip will win first prize with my secret ingredient. Paste picotti sauce ain't no secret. I use paste in the queso dip. Just add paste to build me the cheese spread and microwave. Shoot, paste picotti sauce will line up any dip. I got a secret ingredient. That stuff made in New York City. New York City. Pick up your party dips. Pick up the paste. That's one secret you ought to keep the lid on. <laughs> Marley Race to Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair to The Rock, Sting to Steve Austin. You're listening to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for joining us here for episode number 94, Monday, August 13th, 2018. Quinn, before we begin our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley, I wanted to take a moment here and remind our fans and maybe introduce some new fans to our Patreon. We do have one. Oh, yeah, Patreon. You ever heard of it? It's where the patrons go to patron. <laughs> yes, the, for your patronage. Yeah. Uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And we always want to make it clear because... We don't need misconceptions out here. We do not do this for the money. This show that you're listening to, this weekly Monday show, is free, will always be free. There's no ads. We are just doing this because we want to give you guys some entertainment. However, if you appreciate what you what we do and you want to support us, we've made that available at patreon.com slash OVP podcast, and we have three very simple, very affordable rewards tiers, $1, $2, and $3. For $1, Quinn, they get the raw video dump of the recording of every Monday episode. Yes, if you have that, you're watching us right now. Now, yep. uh, tell you that you can get the raw video dump in video form. Yes, and you're drinking a Pepsi. <sighs> yeah. But he is. And uh, so that's every single Monday you just get that. That's one buck every week. You get to see the recording of an episode. Sometimes mistakes are made. Yeah, Some- they are. So, so that's for $1. Uh, for $2, if you want to add one buck to that, you get some more bang for your buck. You get a bi-weekly every other Friday. You get Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extra. It's a whole nother podcast, but basically it's like an hour-ish. Yeah, it's an hour-ish. We uh, do another Mount Rushmore. Yeah, so we do like, we're trying to pull from the suggestion list. Your suggestions from over the last like year or so, we're trying to get to all of them. And we're also going to throw in a few oddballs here and there that we think of. So that's every other Friday in audio form. You get Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extra for the $2 tier. 
And that might include hats. It might include Maybe, hats one of these days, but, yes. Uh, we'll, no guarantees. No guarantees. And then if you want to add one more dollar, that's it. That's the maximum tier besides the phantom $50 tier. Uh, for one more dollar, $3 per month, you get not only the Raw Dump every single week, not only the bi-weekly Mount Rushmore and Death Valley Extra, on the alternating Fridays, you get video content, and it is Quinn and I live reviewing, you watch along with us, 1982 WWF. It's getting interesting. Little. Um, we saw uh, Johnny Rods actually get to fight Bob Backlund last time. We that did. was really fun and give us the origin stories as I said earlier. Yes, the, uh, origins of the crossface chicken wing <laughs> which would lead eventually to a really boring match in 1994. <laughs> yes, so you tie it all together. Tied it all together. Buttoned it up nicely, yeah. Quinn. So that's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. $1, $2, $3 tier. If you want to donate, you know, we appreciate your support, but even if you don't donate, we appreciate you listening and we really mean that and we'll be, uh, I'm sure, saying our thank yous at OVP 100. So send in your shit yeah. to, for OVP 100 at OVP podcast at Gmail com, but that's our Patreon. So Quinn, it is now time for the people's choice. Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. This is where each week we have put, we will continue to put four of the best of something. It could be anything onto Mount Rushmore, while four of the worst go down into the desert of Death Valley. Quinn, this was your pick, and it is the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of. Hardcore wrestlers. Hardcore wrestlers. That core is just so hard. It's the hardest of the core. <laughs> the most hardcore. The most hardcore. He and is Or the least hardcore. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Quinn, hardcore wrestling as a genre can be overdone, overused, and a lot of people, uh, you know, it's tr- greeted with derision. However, when done properly, it can really be something that, that draws you in, excites you, kind of wows you. And there are some very good hardcore wrestlers that aren't just... I hate to use the term spot monkeys that just yeah. do a bunch of stupid stunts. Yeah, and actually, there's actually good hardcore wrestlers who have the distinction of being spot monkeys, but so they're actually not. There is a little bit of something they have there. Uh, either they're willing to put their body on the line, they may innovate with the way they use weapons, right. things like that, and you know maybe they still do it on the indie circuit, but right. <laughs> have overdone their gimmick. But there was a time when they were new and exciting and that would make them great absolutely so quinn you had the pick i'm gonna take the stick if that's okay Uh, with you (laughs) the uh first nomination for me quinn the first one i'm putting on the table and i think he's gonna make it i don't think there's any case against him mick foley from boston weighing 249 pounds nick faley uh nick faley himself (laughs) nick faley himself Man, did Ugh. this guy build his entire career pretty much on being a crazy hardcore. I mean, he was a brawler earlier on, and then he ventured into the hardcore genre in the early 90s. Uh, yeah, pretty early on into his career. I mean, yeah. I, I kind of, even though it wasn't explicitly said, he was, you know, at the beginning, he was a brawler, but I mean, he was dangerous. Like, he used yeah. weaponry and things like that, which is why I consider him more of a hardcore wrestler. He did that whole thing with the, I believe it was IWA in Japan, this like deathmatch tournament yeah. that he fought Terry Gordy and a like few other exploding people. Exploding tables. Yeah, and exploding ring. Thumbtacks <laughs> and shit like that. Because you don't become the king of the deathmatch by knowing all the moves. You become the king of the deathmatch by kicking out of all the moves. He made great appearances and had a great run in ECW. I would say he's one of the only hardcore wrestlers 
to mold, or maybe one of the first, maybe not the only, but one of the first to mold that character into something that could be used at a world title level. Wow. I think you're right about that. Yeah. I think you're right about that. The great thing about the way Foley did it is he would take risks. And if you read any of his books, especially his first one, they hurt some yeah, of these risks. He wasn't afraid to get dirty, you know, really, yeah, quite literally, no, literally. Like, get his hands dirty. Losing his ear notwithstanding, because that was an accident. That right. wasn't even a hardcore match. I mean, the, the goal of these hardcore guys isn't to get hurt. Like, right, it's, right. To, it's to make it look like it hurts a lot. Right, with and, it having hurt as little as possible. Right, exactly. Absolutely right. Obviously, he took the bump off the uh, Hell in the Cell. That's his most famous thing. But beyond that, some of his early, uh, the nest he plunge where he would get like knocked off the ring apron and whack his, himself, his back, his head on the concrete floor. Right. Then WCW mainly. What in the world? These death matches that I talked about, the stuff that he did with Sabu, barbed wire matches, he even carried that into WWF with Triple H right. in their two great matches in 2000. Even when he changed his character to Mankind, the Mankind character was, it was a psychotic character, but it was kind of the same thing, right? It was kind of hardcore like... Hardcore brawler. Hardcore brawler guy, wasn't afraid to use weapons or fight in weird places. Like yep. back, that's another thing about hardcore that we're forgetting in the yeah. character. It's like a backstage brawler. Is, to it can me, be, yeah. That's more of a hardcore, whereas a brawler in the ring is different. It's like a late 90s Steve Austin, I'd say, is a brawler. Yeah. Stan Hansen is a brawler. Right. You know, yeah. guys like that. But, like, Foley took brawling to the hardcore level. Is there any... He's not getting knocked off, right? Can we just put him he's on? He's just like, yeah, like, he's the accepted, like, standard bearer. There's guys before him... Of course there is. That I'll probably nominate on the second one. But okay. I, would, I would put Mick in first because... He kind of brought it to the level of mainstream. Like, pe people didn't really... People had heard, oh, there's this weird ECW, and, you know, I've seen right. some matches in WCW years ago. Yeah. Or WWE, like, that were, you know, pretty hardcore. The boot camp match was considered, like, an early hardcore match. Patterson and Slaughter. Right. Absolutely. Like, it's right. like, you know, weapons and blood sure. and gore and, you know, fighting all over, mm -hmm. not the arena, but, like, uh, down the aisle yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Hogan and Harley Race had, like, a, what was considered a hardcore match in 1987 or 8. Right, with an early table spot. Yes, yeah. exactly. But yeah, Foley, I mean, he was, I hate to use it, but he was an innovator. Yeah. And fuck, he took the bump off the Hell in the Cell, the first person to really do it, and the only one where it wasn't like padded yeah, and, and I, like set I mean, up. Again, it, it, was Nut all, job. it was all Foley taking cues, though, if you look back from the guys like yeah. the boot camp match, from the Hogan's in the table spots. Right. And more importantly for his his infamous cage thing was from Snuka. Yes. I mean, these he were... He jumped off the roof of his but, garage or something. Right. But <laughs> Mick put all that together is my point. He took all the elements of this gory weapons, jumping off things style, put it, mashed it all together, and that's what it was. Made a career out of yeah. it. Yeah. So for number one, Mick Foley. Right. Mick Foley. <laughs> I'm going to nominate Terry Funk. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's Be Because that's Terry Funk was in the middle, late 80s. He was wrestling a more brawly style. He wasn't afraid to bring, bring weapons into the picture. Right. I, I remember him attacking Flair after a clash, I think. After Flair beat After the Steam. Steamboat match, yeah. And, uh, he, you know, he's hitting him on railings and bloodying him up and, mm -hmm. and, and chairs and stuff. And that was kind of the image we got of Terry Funk 
by the late 80s. That was like, I think that summed up what he had become, right? Yes. And he took this persona and he was getting older, but he took it to the independent circuit. Not only ECW, but he was, you know, in Japan. He was in Japan too. And all sorts of other indies, I'm sure, that we never saw. And he took it there and he honed it and Mm -hmm. he worked with Mick Foley. Yes, he did. Uh, I, I, I feel like he was Mick Foley's partner in pioneering this style. He was. Uh, he was just the elder of the two. He was the elder, right. But he, uh, Terry Funk knew, I can't go 20 more years right. like Mick Foley can, even though Mick didn't end up going 20 more years either. But the the point is, is Terry was trying to pass stuff on to Mick. It was a different relationship. Absolutely. Terry Funk was notable for having two different phases of his career. Right. The 70s and into the 80s kind of like wrestler version of him right remember the nwa champion after his brother wrestler was version, but a little a little cra- crazy little cra- a tinge of craze you saw that in the wwf run in 85 right you know a little yeah. a little ornery <laughs> and i think that's when he was starting to veer because right. he gets a little a little too violent for 1986 wwf he does Harry Fuck, the ring attendant was simply oh my goodness was simply trying to take his things and then by 89 in NWA, WCW, he's starting to get that old man character, the crazy old man character. And now he's he, he's not, he's hitting people with boots and right. all, railings and chairs and throwing people on tables and shit. It, like, he doesn't give a fuck at that point. And then when he's over 50 years old, he's covered in blood and doing moonsaults and like fighting thumb in barbed tacks. wire and thumbtacks. Yeah. Bob, I'm going to come off the top rope on you. I'm going to do a backflip. Oh, I don't know about that, Terry. I said, don't worry about it. I'm going to cover you up with chairs. Terry Funk's number two. There's not even like, there's no one else. There's not even a question. No right? way. Because I... it, without Ter- Terry Funk is the, the forerunner to even Mick Foley, right? He is. Like the, the true, like the hardcore style as we know it kind of really was solidified. And st- like if Mick Foley brought it to prominence, Terry Funk was like, he, he, bore it i guess it is yeah. that the word for it yeah he bore it yeah he, he no he did he bore he it birthed it he birthed <laughs> he birthed it <laughs> say that one more time he birthed it for number two <laughs> terry funk <laughs> that's a quick one and two a well one, i mean, a one a number one and a number two yeah, sometimes that's how they just come out real fast yeah is there any i don't know how you're gonna take this okay but like the Dudley Boys were a hardcore team, right? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, they yeah. were brawlers, but they were a hardcore team. Yeah, and actually, I, if we're going to talk about the Dudleys, I think in the same breath, we should also be talking about the public enemy. Okay. Because it, be, before they became jokety joke over there in WCW, how they always fuck things up. And WWF, too. They, they were, were like, to me, they're almost like what the Dudleys, like the Dudleys were like a better version but that was because the times had become more extreme if you will yes but the public enemy was kind of doing that first and they all are better than the nasty boys right uh, yeah. <laughs> i always have to throw that in yeah but. me and johnny we know how to play this game too but we're tired of playing yeah i think the public enemy were great i don't think they're nearly obviously and you know this as notable as the dudley boys yeah. not as important i would say though the public enemy were doing some crazy shit if you actually watch them on the day-to-day in mm-hmm. ecw in 94 they were almost episode by episode falling off the crow's nest for Joe. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. not kidding. No, like, I know. I like, know. They were the guys that the thing that's seared in my memory from '94 ECW is like Johnny Grunge or the other one falling off 
falling rock a rock. rock a rock falling into like some pallet of tables like every fucking week like it's true like <laughs> and beyond that there was nothing like them yeah at the time and they were they were just a unique quirky and could be very serious and right. hardcore team now on the other side with the dudleys the dudleys came along a couple years later mm-hmm. they were an offshoot of the regular dudley the <laughs> dudley family dudley dudley dances with dudley well, the, you know even all the, them yeah the initial dudleys and then big, dances and all them came but yeah big dick right <laughs> They came along in about 1995, the, yes. the original Dudleys. And then, you know, Devon joined the group and Bubba Ray mm-hmm. in like 96, I want to say. 95 or 6, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now we're going crazy. Like, the, the public enemy was known for tables, right? The Dudleys turned up the heat. Now they're putting through people through flaming tables. Like, right. quite literally. Like, that's like some next level shit, you know? <laughs> and they had just had a mentality and a style that was just awesome. I it love was, their style. What I like about them is that they weren't all tables. They were just hard hitting. Yeah. And they were just plain heels. They were violent yeah. asshole heels. Right. Just being in this miserable piece of shit city makes me fucking sick. Come on, you fat balls, motherfucker. What more could you ask for? But they did the hardcore style, and they did it like really, really well. They did. They did very, very well with it. Um, I would say another person we could nominate would be Sabu. As much as you don't like him, ah, uh, Sabu. I mean, let's let's have real talk about early days Sabu and how it was. It was unheard of for a guy to be presented in that way with scars all over him, yeah. acting nuts. And he was chained down he sometimes. He was chained down. And he yeah. was, you know what? Like a lot of people like to knock his style because it looks sloppy, right? Yes, it does. In the early days, before we knew more about wrestling, yeah, maybe it's a guy lucking into something. I don't know. But there's something about the way that he's sloppy that makes him <laughs> that makes him seem more like animalistic and extreme. And I, I it's it's there's a mystique to Sabu, I think, is what Vince McMahon saw in him later on. There's a there's a mystique in the just the way he does things. There's a bit of a mystique. Later he would have a bit of a mistake and constantly miss spots and right. <laughs> put himself through tables. But I have to agree. I can't argue if I'm gonna really be objective. Sabu until maybe the late 90s, early 2000s. About 98, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, around then. Yeah. Was really something else. Right. He really was. I mean, he he wrestled all over. He wrestled in Japan. The fact that Mick Foley coming in to wrestle him, I think Foley was still in WCW at the time, but they didn't care. Him coming in to wrestle Sabu in ECW was like a dream match. Right. I think Sabu, what he represented to me, whereas Mick Foley was a conscious recklessness. Yeah. Sabu's style and his character was an uncon was an animalistic instinctual right. recklessness that you had not seen combined with the hardcore style. It's fair, Quinn. It was it was like almost like the Islander character, sort of like how the, like the a hardcore Haku almost. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hardcore it was, Haku. It, it was like the Samoans or something. He did you, act you, like you a know? Samoan. Yes. Right. So he might be a strong contender for for either three or four honestly I, do, I, I think so but i think he's also got a tag partner that is another strong contender and that would be rob, rob van, van Dam. Dam. now van Dam though was not primarily a hardcore re- well i guess he kind <laughs> of was in I ecw mean, he was and even when he was brought into the wwf initially where did they place him the hardcore division 
Okay. The Van Terminator was a move that was feared and loved by the fans. That's the Coast to Coast, folks. The Shane McMahon Coast to Coast. The, yeah, and also just his general, like, his thing where he, he'd throw a chair at you and kick you in the face. The Van Daminator. The Van Daminator, which was another thing mm-hmm. that he did. Um, he also was doing acrobatic moves from high things just like sapu but he you know it was, was better at him he, <laughs> he, was. he was an actual athlete <laughs> yeah. like you know what i mean like, right unlike sapu which was just fucking crazy yes but like i said that's sapu's mystique is that he's just fucking crazy whereas rob van dam's like it's almost like they took almost like a shane douglas a guy that's like i am a superior like athlete but they right. injected the hardcore into it and you get this weird hybrid that's true it's great that we're doing this because it's allowing us to talk about a few guys that we don't talk about much. Right. It's Sabu and Van Dam. Van Dam was good. Yeah. He really was good for a long period of time. Right. From like 90, what, 94, 95, whenever to he did the 2000s. Until like the 2000s. He, I mean, I would say his last real run was when he was the WWF champion. And then he stopped caring because if I was him too, by that point in my career, yeah. I won the WWE championship. Like, what the fuck else am I going to like Rob Van Dam was never expected to make it that far. No, but he was a good athlete, yeah. great look, unique personality, and you're right. He brought the high flying to the hardcore. Right, he, he did, did though. He he was a instrumental in the ECW style overall. Can I just give a shout? I want to keep Van Dam on the table. Sure. Can I give a shout out? He's not going to make it because he's just not prominent enough. But I just want to tip my cap to the Necro Butcher. Yeah, you know what? He's awesome. <laughs> Maybe he will make it. Uh, Necro Butcher, folks, has never been in any of the big promotions. No. I mean, unless you count Ring of Honor he's as a big promotion. He's an older fella. Um, he's, he's a little older now. Lang- languished on the indie scene in the mid-2000s. You can actually see him in the movie The Wrestler, not the Vern Gagne one. Mm-hmm. He's not that old. You can see him in the Mickey Rooney one. <laughs> he was like he was Mickey like a two thousands like reincarnation of Mick Foley. He was like he looked like him. He wrestled like him. And in some senses, there was times because I saw this guy live. I was like, this I guy might have less live. fear than Mick Foley. Like, I loved uh, seeing him live. Yeah, he, he was a nut. Yeah, not his character was weird because I never saw it as a. Um, like that he was stupid i saw it that he like maybe was drunk or something like <laughs> right. like not like a stoned not like an idiot character yeah. like just he kind of just is reckless and doesn't give a shit yeah like you know what i mean absolutely here's a guy that i think a lot of people will be like well how could you not bring him up but okay. I'll, I'll explain why because i don't think he's death valley but i think he needs to be brought up here is tommy dreamer um, because his name is literally the innovator of violence. He was good. What do you think of that? Because it, it it's it, it's another twist on the hardcore because it's the pretty boy character now doing the hardcore style. It's literally what his character story was. Yes. And he, he, he was one of those guys, too. I, he was one of the first. He wasn't the, the first, but he was one of the original guys that used his baby face character to get the fans involved in the hardcore wrestling where they would hand him weapons like that was one of his things it was you're right dreamer could take a beating yes let me put it that way he, he was the ricky steamboat of hardcore wrestlers i like that he really I, was I like that quinn yes I, yeah, he really really was that was now does Sandman have any merits? I don't know if Sandman is that. He's like the Al Sandman, Bundy of hardcore yeah, wrestlers. Sandman, as mo- God love him. He, he, <laughs> he has the best entrance of all time. And he, yes, he is a hardcore wrestler. He, he carries is. a freaking kendo stick to the ring every yeah, time. He wears I, pajamas. You know, he has cigarettes and puts it in people's faces. I mean, he's without question a hardcore wrestler. Yeah, of course. It's just that... He's not even really a wrestler. I don't even really work here. He never really... <laughs> 
throws anything. He, he never had. He doesn't have the in-ring talent <laughs> no, that, that some of these people. He stinks. He stinks. <laughs> but he, hey, he's good at telling a story. I can. I'll give him credit there. Like Good Night Moon or something yeah. like that. Good Night Moon. When he was at the, his apex, Good Night again, Cow in jumping over the moon. Ninety-five. Yeah, if that's his apex, then he that, ain't that good. It really was. I know. And, I know and, it is. And you know, he, he had was the son Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> Remember his yeah. son Tyler? I mean that that's a that's a heart wrenching story. story. It is. And, no, and he, I love and it. Sandman does a good job there. So he's a storyteller, but nothing else. Like <laughs> he's not very good at anything else. No, you're right. So Dreamer's probably better than him overall as a hardcore yeah, wrestler. Definitely. But I think Sabu has to be number three. Do you? I don't like you know what it, a lot of it stems from is like after like you said, like ninety eight, ninety nine. After that it's like, dude, you fucking suck now. Well, it's also tired because there's only and so old. much he can like almost trip over something to make him seem that <laughs> yeah, way like 90 sabu yeah like the 90 sabu was awesome before we put him on the table okay. i just want to put up one guy on the on the table because i really think there's something unique and it's everyone you're probably gonna laugh at home and you might laugh at me but well i'll try not to i really think crash holly <laughs> was was like actually unique and hear me out okay i will no i i will before him i never remember like a successful comedy hardcore wrestler there's a charm to him and i i that houdini of hardcore angle that i love how he would escape out of his predicament and there's something to that and and i he's kind of like mikey Whipwreck in that case yeah, escaping yeah. out of of the predicament, hardcore wrestler. I'll tell you what, Quinn. Crash Holly's run as hardcore champion. Yeah, the twenty four seven rule and it's all that. So, he, well, he was the first to do that. Too. He was. It's one of the best little like nuggets they had going in two thousand. I mean, the crowds were. That was one of my it. favorite parts of it. Raw every week. I loved it. It was so good. Is he number three? The Houdini of hardcore. I'm, I'm okay with putting him on because he made hardcore wrestling fun, stupid, and entertaining. Right. It wasn't fun and stupid and boring. Right. You know. You know what I'm saying. It wasn't There's unnecessarily got, he violent. Made, he made it that way, but not making it a complete joke. Right. At the same time poking fun out of it yes there's something there's a weird hybrid after that when people were goofy about it it's it just seemed lame but when crash did it it seemed new and exciting and every week you were like oh come on get out of it crash like you're like like the fun time america or like you know like he just is so he's sleeping or something something like shit like that like it's just there's something yeah and it was great because you had the writers thinking of new right new shit every week it was like a sitcom yeah it was like how do we get crash in in and out of this situation, and it was just really fun, and I loved it a lot. And even the circus! Oh, wait a minute! Oh. Hey. The is attacking Crash Holly. It's a referee. You gotta do it a little faster I want to put Crash on the table, and I want to look at who do we have? Okay, Sabu. Okay, the Dudleys. Hmm. Public Enemy, who I, I kind of want to bump. I can bump them. I just, again, props to them because I, I think they really are what the Dudleys were. It's just they just weren't in ECW right. as long. RVD, who I think I want to keep. I do too. Dreamer? I could knock Dreamer. Yeah, I want to knock Dreamer Because off. I think Dreamer is, he's like you're like in, in a video game. He would have the, um, he's like the Ryu. He's like kind of good at everything. But <laughs> yeah, like, right, right. Not, not, he's kind of like great at everything but not the best at everything right like, best at anything yeah, yeah. N- necro is necro still alive i can't right. i can't necro just doesn't Sorry, have necro. the same footprint 
no one has the footprint. He didn't of, even uh, wear shoes, right? but he doesn't have the same footprint as these guys as far as like on the the overall scope of everything. Kamala doesn't even have... Okay, so for... Um, <laughs> all right, so we have Sabu, Dudley's RVD, and Crash Holly. You know who's a great hardcore wrestler? This is going to sound really stupid, and she's not going to make it, but Taya Valkyrie. Yeah, you know, that that's... Props that, to Taya. That's an interesting nomination Fucking there. woman nuts. Yeah, I she's mean, just Taya and Lucha, but there, there's some cases with um, with women, <laughs> not a lot, in but hardcore. Dump Matsumoto was she hardcore? No, Bull. no, no. I They're think just brawlers. I, I think it's hard to make a case because this style is hard for the women to get involved in because I think if any, all of them, you you have a predominantly male audience and you're gonna have sympathy, right? No matter what happens. Right, so if right. like a woman's trying to be a heel, it's yeah. like kind of hard, right? You know. Are we missing anyone, Quinn, from like the seventies and eighties that was influential, like it, like st- Harley Race and stuff like that? Are yeah. you thinking about? Yeah, but he wasn't primarily that. We're trying right. to like fo- like Austin's not a hardcore wrestler. No, I don't consider him a hardcore wrestler. But like Hanson, he was a brawler, right? Terry Gordy, those Again, guys, brawler. Yeah, I, I would say I feel like the style didn't really officially start till Terry Funk. If you, it, it was coming into, yeah. it was being like molded and invented, right. but it's like it didn't really exist. Didn't come out of the oven until yeah. Terry Funk and Mankind and Mankind, obviously. Yeah, I think Sabu's number three. I hate to say it because I don't even like Sabu that much, but I want to be objective. Yeah, he mattered and early enough Sabu, like before you escape the nineties, he's good. Yeah, and I mean whatever he was doing, he was doing it right because everyone fucking wanted him. And like he, Vince yeah. in the '90s wanted him, and WCW or, took him for a while. Yeah, and they fucked it all up. Of course, remember that. Well, that was honestly a limitation of television. Like what he well was, true. What he was doing on television, I think, literally Bischoff realized very quickly we can't do we can't do this at, on prime time. Like what the hell? You're right. I mean, <laughs> there's another thing about Sabu. Like Foley and Terry Funk, they would take risks. They would put their bodies on the line. I would say Sabu did it more. I'm not saying that's a good thing necessarily, but right. he, he probably did it more than either of those two. It's true. Or just as much. I think Sabu is number three. Okay, Sabu. <sighs> wow. Sabu for number three. <laughs> Sabu on a Rushmore. <sighs> the only time this will happen. The Dudleys, RVD, Crash Holly, anyone else we want to add to the list? What about Raven? <laughs> Raven! Raven, I love okay. Raven. Um, the character Raven to me is one of the most fitting hardcore wrestlers. Yeah, do you like, know what I mean by yeah, that? I do. It's like he looks like he belongs in a hardcore match. Yeah, but, he does. Um, he dressed like it. Yes, Raven is to me more of a psychological wrestler, like a Jake. He's like a Jake. Yeah, yeah. It's I agree. that he gets under your skin, and you're like, "Damn that guy!" Like you know, like <laughs> he's very good at it. Damn him. Yeah, no, it's I, like I, you I know, know what I mean. mean. I do. It's just it's almost like incidental that he was in ECW. <laughs> yeah, like he could he he could have and he did that style anywhere. And it was kind of annoying how they tried to shoehorn <laughs> that he was hardcore in WCW when they made Ravens rules. Remember that shit? I do remember that. Like, yeah, I liked Raven in WCW. Actually, I, did too, I actually did. But at the same time, it just felt like instead of saying that he was hardcore, what they were trying to say was he's from ECW. Yeah, not, not that he is hardcore without name dropping. Yeah, them. exactly. Is it a... I mean, we have Crash for... I think it's between, like, Crash and um, Rob, Van. Rob Van Dam. I really, truly believe that. I think it's Rob Van Dam. I do, too. And I love Crash. Cause yeah. I, here's the thing. Why I, I feel like Crash could knock RVD off. Because Crash fills a niche in the, in the Rushmore where it's more well-rounded. 
I would say if we were doing a Rushmore of hardcore champions, true, Crash is on that list, right? No matter what. But if we're we're talking the likes of Foley, Funk, and Sabu, yeah, Rob Van Dam is a hell of a freaking wrestler. It's true about Carlos Colon. I'm not even being funny. Like he was like a big hardcore wrestler in the 70s and 80s. And See, I, I feel don't like don't know no, enough. I don't know enough, and I also feel like it's a result of how really weird and strange that federation was world wrestling council yeah like yeah. Uh, i mean people were killed that much <laughs> I mean, quite literally <laughs> now brody wasn't hardcore right brawler 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 yeah it'd be more in like a vader vein kind of thing vader vein yeah you know the vader vein. the vader vein i think it's rvd yeah okay. rvd mixed the acrobatic the high-flying and just an overall unique character mm-hmm. who doesn't look like or seem like he'd be a hardcore wrestler, but he was. He was. Yeah, ultimately, he really was. He was. Like, Rob, so. Rob Van Dam is, is my pick, Quinn. Okay, Rob Van Dam it is. All right, so for number four, Rob Van <laughs> Dam. <laughs> well, Quinn, to recap for Donnie, who's probably going to look up RVD matches now, yep. we have the Mount Rushmore of hardcore wrestlers, Mick Foley, Terry Funk, Sabu and Rob Van Dam. That is the Mount Rushmore, folks. Let us know yours at OVP Podcast on Twitter. Email us or join the group. Quinn, that's four of the best. Why don't you start it off with one of the worst? Hardcore Holly. <laughs> Bob Holly. Yeah. All right. Tell me why. Because I don't think I disagree. Because he's not hardcore, but he's got hardcore in his name. And then he like tried to be hardcore and he's just kind of whatever. The fact that he was like usurped by Crash Holly. Usurped, yeah. He was I mean, in the Usos. I mean, but seriously, he was. No, he was. I will break your ass in half, you little shithead. It's fucking Sparky Plug. Yeah. Well, what are we doing here? It's Sparky Plug with like a kendo stick or something. <laughs> like, just because. And shitty hair. Like, he's the he's one of those guys who like he saw what was happening, picked up a weapon, and was like, "Hold my beer," and then like went over. It's like, look, I can do it too. Like, you know what I mean? But Hardcore Holly is not good. No. And you know what never earns points in a rush in a Rushmore or Death Valley is being an asshole. Yeah. In and real also life. putting the thing in the, your name. <laughs> yeah. Like when, he's so hardcore yeah. that it's in his name. Right. Can I give you a similar one? It's not hardcore someone, but yeah. I'll give you another bad one. Nasty Brian Nobbs. Yeah, I was actually thinking of him now, too. <laughs> so, Nobbs, Nobbsy baby. No, f- <laughs> yeah, Nobbsy baby over here, folks. I guess after Sags, I was like, fuck wrestling. I don't want to do this shit anymore. I'm injured. <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, I know why. Because Hogan was employed. Yeah. They decide to push Nobbs as like this hot new, like modern threat <laughs> yeah, to the hardcore like, well, scene. They took his Nasty Boy shirt off and then yeah. said, like, he's a hardcore man now. And they call him Nasty Brian Nobbs. Horrible. I was back in the locker room thinking, and I said, Hell, let's throw out all the wrestling tonight. Stop talking! He sucks, Most man. Most of that WCW hardcore division is shit. Like, okay, Norman Smiley. Yeah, that was dumb. That was them. Actually, you know what? He might be up there. Like, to me, where Crash made, like, a joke of it, but, like, in a creative, fun way, where it was, like, an escape kind of thing. Yeah. Norman Smiley was like, I'm going to wear all the padding in the world yeah. and look like a woman. Like, <laughs> he wasn't good. Would you say actually Norman Smiley might be like one of the worst? Uh, I mean, maybe. We got to see who really sets the bar here, who lo- who lowers the bar here. But I think Hardcore Holly was really poor. 
mm-hmm. I think that nasty Brian Nobbs, it's egregious to me to use one of your vocab words there, Quinn, <laughs> that Brian Nobbs was pushed as something that mattered in like 99 no, and 2000. N- nobody cared. No, it's like, Brian Nobbs. Nobody fucking cared. He's not even the best guy in the Nasty Boys. Sags is better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobbs might be the captain. Yeah. Right? I mean, w- w- are we in agreement that Nobbs is definitely the captain? Yeah, the, Nobbs he is has the ca- to be, right? He's, he's the captain. He's, out, yeah, he's the outspoken one. Yeah, but he's the worst one. Right. At least Sags seems like he's a competent wrestler. Oh, God. You can... It's so funny, the, the WCW hardcore title. Yeah, it's horrible. Because it didn't you exist mean? for a while, but yeah. like, it's either like rehashing shit or gimmicking it up or something. Like They have like Terry Funk a couple times, yeah. which, you know... Why? He, but in like 2000, I know he's not like capable of this anymore. And like big veto and shit like that. Hey, watch it. Vito follows us, Quinn. He might be a listener now. Yeah, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> sorry, Vito. I don't think this is the, the place for big. Vito. This is not the forum for big Vito. Okay. To me, he's more of a brawler. I'm just saying <laughs> he is. Now, I you can say what you want. Road Dog was not a good hardcore wrestler. He was an entertaining guy on the mic. Hey. He was this. a great hardcore champion. You're Joe. full of baloney. That is one of the salami. best runs in hardcore. No, it's not. The hardcore title? It's awesome. The third hardcore champion, 61 days. What a reign, by the way. 61 <laughs> days is a long ass time in the hardcore division. But he wasn't good. I mean, the problem was that they made him like a hard working champion kind of thing. Like it was Bobby Walker. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he would fight from underneath every match, but like. That's not good for hardcore. <laughs> it's like they were. It's like he was basically like an intercontinental champion with the hardcore belt. Yeah, that was part of the problem. Yeah, can I just say it, Abdul the Butcher? He stinks. <laughs> he's horrible, Joe. I don't get why is he good. He's he, not. He's, he's like not. slow and lumbering and garbage. He's horrible. Every, <laughs> everything he does is garbage. Well, because he puts a fork in his pants. Yeah, I do that too. It doesn't make me a good hardcore I, wrestler. I, like, I just don't know if we're not getting it. Like, is it like the fork in the pants was like, like was that considered very devastating <laughs> to people in the eighties? I don't know. Was cutlery worse? But I'm saying, was he like? Did he ever like stab someone with it? I think he just carried it with him in case he happened upon a quiche or a potato salad. I don't know. Down ranks. He sucks. He does. Suck. He's just a big fat guy. Yeah. Come on. He's in. Enough with him. I'm tired of this. I know that he's supposed to be like real nice in real life. That's fine Which is great. But don't wrestle. Right. And don't... Can he wear his pants like a little lower? He has boobs. I understand that, but I mean, the pants just... I think it makes it worse somehow. He needs the man's ear or the bro or whatever. I I, I don't know. I'm tired of Abdul the Butcher. I don't like seeing him. Fuck him. I say we can automatic number two um, Norman Smiley. I'm serious. Whoa. All right. Well, like I, he fucking is horrible, Joe. Uh, no, I agree with you. Like, As, uh, in the hardcore division, that was his entire career. Once he like wore a shirt, <laughs> like yeah, which is like half of it. Like, Unfortunately, you, Abdullah should have worn a once shirt. Once he stopped like wearing the like no knee pads and like a uh, speedo gear. Not another thing to earn him points with me. <laughs> yeah, but once he stopped doing, doing that, the big wheel. Yeah, he became hardcore for, like, the entire rest of his career. Yeah, it was horrible. And he was terrible. And he would, like, hit people with, like, padded stuff. Very, like, dainty. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't, I hate it. So is number one Abdul the Butcher, though? Mm. I almost feel like, actually, it's, like, it's Smiley. What about Nobs? (laughs) Well, we'll get to him. (laughs) I think he'll make it. I just think that, like, Norman Smiley is, like, 
like I said, again, with the crash being like a kind of a joke, yes. Norman Smiley is like the bad joke. <laughs> like, it's like, this is this is the worst it could be. The anti-humor? Yeah, like, it's like, no, you don't get to make fun of it, WCW, because you never did it good in the first place. Well, that's true. Like, and that's what Norman Smiley was. That's what he represents. Yeah, that's what he represents to me. For number one, Norman Smiley. Die, die, die. What about Abby? Big fat Abby. It could be Big Fat Abby, but then you got Knobs and Bob. Oh Holly. yeah, no, I can't put. I cannot, in good conscience, put Abdullah in before Knobs. That's what I'm saying. It's like I think Abby is like he might not even make it. We might find he, worse. He might not make it. But okay, all right. How about this? Let's have a, a shootout here. Okay, who's worse, Brian Knobs or Bob Holly? Knobs. Yeah, I think Knobsy so. baby. Now, is it because he was a in a tag team that sucked? It's not just that. It's the reinvention of him that I hate. Yeah, like, of all people to reinvent. Yeah. Brian Knobs. I mean, it's, Hardcore was reinvented also. He was a spark plug. True. <laughs> but he drove a race car. Vroom, vroom. Bob Holly, whereas he needed to be reinvented, yeah. Knobs just needed to not wrestle. Th- uh, that's great criteria for me. Like, at least Bob Holly, at the, the very least I can say to him is, like, he's a competent worker he is like you know what no, i mean I give like, you that. He, like he's a guy you can go have job to somebody like and he won't embarrass you but he'll make the other guy look decent enough yeah as like, long as he's not like mad or yeah, something because yeah. they're younger at least, you know <laughs> whatever if, it if they're is. on his good side <laughs> yeah he'll make you look decent enough right okay that's fine so brian knobs number two then yeah he's just an abomination all right for number two brian knobs die 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 doorknobs yeah Abdullah the Butcher and Hardcore Holly have been discussed, Quinn. I'm trying to think if there's anyone that like really strikes me as terrible in the hardcore division, if you will. Hmm. Like Billy Gunn, but he, he was in a hardcore champion, it's, but he didn't eh. it was, wasn't it didn't have something to do with Road Dog because he was like hardcore champion like right before that. I don't even know. I mean Godfather's Ho, but <laughs> that doesn't count. That because that's like one of those one off things. I know, things. that's more hardcore champions, but I'm I'm just joking about that one. You know who I didn't like? Remember Crowbar? I was in just going to say, like, I, I thought I was, like, reaching there, but, it, you know, he did suck. Crowbar and, stunk. And they, and they tried to make him, like, a hardcore... His name is Crowbar! <laughs> like, like, you know what they're doing. Yeah, that was a... You might know him from the indie circuit as a Devin Storm, but, man, when he was Crowbar in WCW, that was some bullshit. Yeah. He really was poopy. Yeah, I mean... And I mean, they they always made him a hardcore wrestler, from what I remembered. He was. Like, yeah. Was he ever like not? His, no. His WCW, name was Crowbar. It was Crowbar. Yeah. Also, as an honorable mention, the Sandman when he was hardcore hack, that was really stupid. Yeah. In WCW, but can we count like one no. version of somebody? No, but I just wanted to say that. What about the Rottens? Either of the Rottens, Axel or Ian Rotten? Oh, they're sloppy as fuck. That might be one. Yeah, one of them. I don't know which one's worse. I probably Axel is worse. What? What about um the Sheik of uh something? What? What it, was his name? The original said, Sheik? No, 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 oh. no. His he he was like he <laughs> he was like called. He was like a big jobber. Who's that? I don't remember. In ECW, uh, damn, I forget his name. Was Sal Balomo a hardcore wrestler in ECW? Not really. <laughs> like damn. it was like before it got too hardcore over there. I'd like, uh, I'd like the to put- hardcore chic was what they called it. I forget <laughs> his fucking name. I don't know. He wore like Zuba's pants when he wrestled. He was Zubas. awful. I'd like to put hardcore Holly in as number three because he's crappy. Okay, I can I can settle on that. He's crappy. Yeah, the more we go through stuff, <laughs> he's he just, crappy. He sucks. He's lousy. Yeah, he's crummy. They put him in. He stinks and I don't like him. Number three, hardcore Sparky. Die, die, die. 
I don't want to put Abby on, but I'm trying to. I'm really trying to think. He's both. poor, though. <laughs> he is. You know who's really good? We didn't mention the Briscoe brothers, not Gerald and uh, Jack, but you mean Jay, the good Briscoe Jay brothers. and Mark. Yeah, yeah. those those. Do you were, consider them hardcore? Yeah. I, well, maybe not. they're like the Hardys. Yeah, they're like the ROH. That's Hardys. a guy we didn't talk about. Is Jeff Hardy? Also, we didn't talk about Just Harvey, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah, I don't think he would have made it. Hmm. The reason I don't like Abdullah the Butcher, I just think he's not good at anything. Is he the Yokozuna <laughs> of hardcore wrestlers? I would say so. Do you like Yokozuna? No. <laughs> now, why don't you like Yokozuna? He can barely move. He's not threatening. He doesn't do anything. Abby's like a big stuff. You know the gigantic stuffed animals? Not the regular size ones, like the oversized, like bigger than like people. Like 50,000 tickets from the carnival you right. win this. Bigger than adult human ones. Like, like the seven foot tall yeah. ones. Ones that might be bigger than Andre the Giant just because you can with a stuffed animal. Like, uh, you know? Yeah. Like, That's Abdullah the Butcher? Yeah. Now you don't like his attire. Yeah. You don't like his titties. He's the size of the State Puff Marshmallow Man. <laughs> you don't like his cutlery. Yeah. His silverware that he carries around with him. I don't think it's that threatening. I think he's kind of a joke. Now he had like these clones. Remember the Headhunters? The um, oh, Samoan SWAT team? Or the SWAT up. team? Yeah, I remember them. They, They're like Abdullah clones. They're baby Abbies. Are but, they worse than him? No, they did moonsaults. I never saw him do no moonsault. Well, that was just an impossibility. He ate a moon pie, maybe. And the thing is, is that he had this weird mystique in the indies. I still don't get it. Mis- of, mesquite. Mesquite. Yeah, more like mesquite. <laughs> yeah, because he didn't get it. But um, Get the joke? But he had this weird mystique like he is so hardcore and he, he uses a fork and that's a weapon and it's so sharp. And pointy. Like, <laughs> if today was there, he'd be like, forks can be very uh, abrasive there, Tony. It's like viscera with a fork. <laughs> like, come on. More like hard arteries. Yeah. <laughs> Just get him in. Hard enough, coronary. Enough, enough of him. <laughs> if you hate us for this, I'm sorry, but this is our vantage point. Let us yeah. know yours. Abdullah the Butcher. Die, die, die. A recap for Donnie, who knows who none of these people are. Okay. <laughs> Norman Smiley. Brian Knobs. Oh. Hardcore Holly. I feel good about all three of these. <laughs> yeah. And for number four, for number fork, yeah. <laughs> Abdullah the Butcher. Hey, it's our vantage point, folks. Let us know yours. Let us know why we're right or wrong. You can do that by reaching us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. And if you have a Facebook.com account, join the Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast discussion group on Facebook. It'll be a great time. But when. When we come back, we're doing something just for you. One of your favorite promotions during its favorite time period. That's right, folks. When we come back, we're getting extreme when we review something. And that'll be coming up right after this. Eleven time world champion, the nature ball, Rick Flair. Hogan? It's never happened before. Will it happen now? Is this the big one? The big one? Find out at WCW's Back Beach, Sunday, July 17th, live and only on pay-per-view. Call your local cable operator for availability. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here for episode number 94. We're about to get extreme, Quinn, but before we do, wanted to mention a few friends of the show that we like to shout out each and every week. Are they extreme friends of the show? Yeah, they're extreme, Are I'd they say. a little bit extreme? 
Some of them are very extreme. One of them is extremely extreme. Now, who would you say is the most extreme out of our friends? Well, let's, let's start with WPAN. This is a great podcast, folks, that comes out every single Monday. So listen to it right after you listen to us. It's a great time. It's yeah. hosted by two guys that extremely worked in the business. One of them is extremely big. And he is Brian Malonis, ROH's own, Quinn. Yeah, the Wine City Whaler, the ex- the Extreme Whaler. Yes, the Extreme Whaler. He is joined each and every week by Mean Mike Crockett, a referee that is currently on an extended hiatus, especially now that he's a big extreme daddy. The extremist of daddies. Yes, yeah, so over on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing, WPAN, they bring their perspective as guys that have worked in the business but are also fans. Do a little retro, a little current, a little insight into the product. Great show. Every single Monday, WPAN, the Wrestling podcast about nothing now let's go to pd winston quinn this is greetings from allentown gf allentown you can find his show every thursday it comes out now this guy is extremely unique because what he'll do is each and every week he'll use an old episode of some wrestling show some old wrestling that's, show that's pretty extreme pretty extreme mm-hmm. and he will use that as a backdrop to paint a very psychedelic portrait of his memories reminiscence weird aside some anecdotes it's a weaving blend of uh, extreme commentary on wrestling yeah. and the mind as you say Quinn of Peter Winston. And he said it's psychedelic so that's extreme also in like the drugs kind of Yes, way. the drugs. The drugs. <laughs> which, you- the extreme when you talk about extreme you, you have to talk about drugs. When you talk about greetings from Allentown, you got to think of drugs. So that's GF Allentown. Check him out every single Thursday. GF Allentown, greetings from Allentown. But the most extreme is Mike Mills booking the territory with Mike Mills because they are the southern fried version, Quinn, of OVP. Now, they cover a extreme promotion called Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which actually, I don't know how extreme that is. But. Not really, but they also go extremely south of the Mason-Dixon line to also touch upon the NWA, the Crockett era of the NWA. Right, so extremely southern. Extremely southern. So that's Mike Mills booking the territory. Check that show out. Friends of the show, we like to give those guys some love each and every week. But Quinn, speaking of extreme, we're doing a request of yours to do this show, Mm -hmm. which is fine with me. But it's 1994. It is, and it makes it's only fitting. We touched upon them earlier. ECW. They had just become extreme back in August, Quinn. Yes, newly minted extreme. Very minty. Um, It's only been like a month or something. Yeah, it's only been a little over a month. This is ECW Hardcore TV, October 4th, 1994. Now, Hardcore TV, Quinn, you could find usually on at like 3 a.m. or something on the MSG network. Yeah, maybe 4 a.m. But it was live, according to them. Yeah, they acted like it was live. Now, ECW was had been rolling for a while in terms of having this television show since April of 93. Right. But you did mention that ECW before they were extreme in August they were already doing this this was building yeah this, this is this is like kind of more of the same this reality based type of more realistic gritty yeah but they were they were kind of starting like i would say around like late 94 is when they started to turn up the extreme yeah. dial up to like 11 yeah these go to 11 these go to 11 <laughs> so like they're they're getting like they're doing stuff like nobody's doing here. yeah no like, they are they are <laughs> we'll see we'll see what they're doing because uh we get a cold open here with Joey Styles Quinn and he's on location from the hospital and he's saying that someone one of their ECW superstars took it to the extreme one of our superstars here in the ECW finally took it to the extreme. Now, they're superstars, first yes. of all, in quotes, uh, even though like seven people know who they are. <laughs> but you know what? In the ECW um, galaxy, uh-huh. it is very important. This is a this is a monumental event that has taken place 
and it has brought the superstars together, all of them at the hospital, converging at the hospital. You can see the emergency sign behind Joey. It's very um, the, the cam is very uh-huh. extreme. Yeah, extremely yeah. crappy yeah. quality. Yeah. All sorts of uh, extreme in the opening and, and Mr. Hughes also, just for yeah. the record. Well, you mean just in the like opening montage? Yes. But then uh, after the opening here, we go back to Joey Styles, who really won't tell us what's going on yet he's like oh whatever superstar they say nothing well they don't want to blow their story yeah of course this big scoop that (laughs) joey styles has at the extreme hospital yes he's he's on location earlier on though jason defended the tv title against hack myers now the thing about jason he's like a, a manager he is a wrestler jason knight yeah but he's mainly a manager in ecw so the whole angle with him is that he really isn't a wrestler but he won the tv title from whipwreck it was yeah basically by circumstances, essentially through cheating and stupidness and calling Mikey Whipwreck out. Jason's a jerk. So Jason's character is basically like a, it's kind of think like a Rick Martell with a little more personality. Or like the slickster, maybe. Like he dresses well, I guess. He's <laughs> yeah. like a hybrid of slick Rick Martell and maybe a little Rick Rude. Yeah. For good measure there. So he's defending the TV title against Hack Myers, who's crap. Hack well, Myers sucks. Well, the point of Hack Myers is, that- is like he is enhancement talent yeah. on, e- on the ECW. You also said, Quinn, that a uh, straw hat guy was very proud. The whole audience is very proud, but you know, our, we got the usuals in the audience. Uh, straw hat guy sign guy sign guy and and various others yeah the, that the photographer that's like also at some of the wwf msg shows with right. the backwards hat and uh, so uh, dean malenko we should mention quinn is with jason he's yes. the corner man of jason he's his bodyguard the shooter so this dean is malenko. the big story for jason right now yes. jason is has acquired dean malenko's services yep. or slash he's now a client or whatever yes. so dean malenko's there and a lot of this stuff it's not it doesn't look pretty but the point of it is to build up dean malenko and you know further the feud between mikey and jason and jason essentially against everyone else because he's got his like stable Mm -hmm. of people yeah the tv title belt quinn you notice at this point has no side plates which is a little jarring this was a weird um, thing about the TV title in ECW at the beginning. It's yeah. like it's the only belt I've ever seen in my life where it's just like one plate on like a leather belt. Yeah, like it's very strange. It is strange. So Jason stalls forever as we go to pre-recorded comments earlier on, where Jason uh, was with Dean Malenko and Todd Gordon runs in and threatens to ban Dean Malenko if he keeps interfering. So that's extreme. I'm going to tell you that. Excuse me, gentlemen. Let me tell you something. If this man interferes this week, in fact, if he interferes at all in any of your matches. He will not be allowed at ringside. He'll be banned from ringside for all of your matches, and you will be all alone at ringside. The rules must be upheld here in the extreme <laughs> oh, arena. Oh, yeah. The extreme bingo hall. Back to ringside, more stalling. We finally lock up. Side headlock by Jason. Hack tosses Jason around for a while. And you said, Quinn, Hack is like the worst wrestler ever, but they like him. Yeah, that is, that's essentially, if I was to describe Hack Myers, is terrible wrestler, but you know what? He's our bad wrestler. Yeah, we right. like him. You right. know? <laughs> like, Shaw! 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 The so Shaw of hardcore. The Shaw of hardcore, That's yeah. who we were thinking or of the earlier. the Shaw of extreme. Yes. Yeah. Jason takes back over. Joey says he's a disgrace to that TV title. He Well, he is. I mean, look at him. <laughs> Big extreme body slam here by Hack. You said there's a real charm to the shittiness of the production value. I do like it. I um, do too. If you watch a lot of this show, which I, actually, Joe, when you saw the WWE Network when we booted it up, right? I had watched literally every single episode yep. in 1994. You love so your ECW. I, I really like it. And it just grows on you. It's like. You can tell that this is what they have to work with, Mm -hmm. and they try their hardest with, like, what they have. 
That's true. Just like yeah. I'm trying my hardest with this show. To- well, I'm just saying. <laughs> this yeah. is what I have to work yeah. with. Big punches by the hacker. This is an awful match, Oh, Quinn. it's bad. It's real bad. No bones about it. Uh, Jason takes back over with an extreme knee drop and then an elbow. He misses another and hack with his big arsenal of offense. Punches. Well... <laughs> Nobody said Hack was a, a real wrestler. No one He's did. a brawler. He is a very big, fat, stupid brawler. Dean Malenko interferes with a towel, and Jason gets the pin. Yeah, off the towel <laughs> choke. I thought that was a little dainty for ECW. It's Joey. This is horrible. This is horrible. Well, he's, he's correct. Well, literally, no one in the crowd like cared or reacted. Well, it's Jason. I mean, you're right. Yeah. What was there to really say? Boo. He, you know, he's like, a heel. He's annoying. He's sort of charming because he's stupid. Yeah. But like, you know, this is just the, the thing is that I was explaining to Joe before is that this is part of a larger, longer thing. So we're just taking out. We're taking out extra of it, which is just another week of Jason being annoying. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's, that's pretty all... much that's what happened for a while in ECW. Right. That was, was a thread. Yeah, this is just <laughs> it's supposed to be like another pile on the shit pile. Right. You know, like just another thing. It's like, oh, come on, really? Just another day, another week of Jason being annoying, basically. Yeah. So last week, the Tasmaniac, as he was still called, and he had his stupid hair. Uh, he he faced off against Dean Malenko. Dean put him in an arm bar, which no one reverses, Quinn, the Dean Malenko arm bar. The famous Dean Malenko arm bar, which I don't <laughs> remember being famous i think literally joey made that up for that week almost like vince mcmahon would oversell things maybe a little bit yes the difference is joey doesn't own the company big difference yes you're absolutely right it would take paul Heyman eventually to oversell everything and own the company but taz reverses to a short arm scissors jason just kicks taz a real lot while this is (laughs) happening and then a bunch of people run in as joey is flipping out like this is the best thing to ever happen they said it was impossible the taz made it broke the malenko armbar again Sounds a little like a one Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Well, I mean, that was a pretty mean arm bar, Joe. <laughs> Just saying. Malenko with a double leg takedown to the Taz and the melee here. Melee, actually, yeah. is how it's pronounced. Uh, we have a standoff, and then Taz just sue plays everybody. Back to live action now, as Dean Malenko is suddenly in a handicap match <laughs> against, like, Donnie Allen and Dino Sendov. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? He Those wins guys the- are, like, big <laughs> jobbers. Like They, they have just, shirts on. They're, like, true enhancement talent. Like, Basically, like, think of Hack Myers like the JYD or something. Like, he's like... Like, a 1988 JYD. Right, 1988 JYD. <laughs> yeah. But, like, these guys are, like, fucking Brooklyn Brawlers. Oh, yeah, or yeah. Terry Gibbs or something yeah, like yeah. that, right? Like, yeah, There's, there is, like, a hierarchy of jobbers even in the ECW. There's a hierarchy. Uh, Jason gets on the apron and calls out Taz, and then we get the horribly overdubbed music, because this is a network version, as Taz right. does run out. He circles Malenko, big standoff, and they get into a tussle, a suit play by Taz. Malenko with a double, a double underhook powerbomb. Then Taz with a fallaway slam. Dean with a northern Joey called none of these moves correctly, well, by the way. he's not used to wrestling. However, he's excited that there's wrestling. Kind of like Vince McMahon is very excited about the things that go on. It's true. Belly to belly by Taz. The reason I keep bringing up Vince, folks, is because I'm sitting here listening to Joey fucking Styles, who everyone is so <laughs> enamored with, like he's the best thing ever, and people shit on Vince for trying to make the best of his product. Listen, I don't have a problem with do, that's your job. That is the job. And I'm if just, you're the owner, it's your livelihood. I think people just like Joey because, first of all, he's he's not, he doesn't have much to work with here. He doesn't, but neither did Vince in 94 and 5. He's got a little bit more to work with. I give you that. Second of all, he doesn't own the company, so he really doesn't have any stake in caring this much. Well, he needs to get paid. He right. has a job. But he can do that without giving this much excitement. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to applaud someone for doing their job. 
he went above and beyond. Is yeah, my he point. He went above and beyond. That's, that, that's all I'm saying. All I'm trying to do here on our vantage point, folks, is dispel the ECW myth a little bit. I'm not saying I don't like it. I do like it. I really do I like it. I will say that this episode, when we get closer to the end here, there is a little bit of revolutionary things going on. No. I'll you know, even admit that there's something that happens that's pretty good. Yeah. But I just want to even the playing field here that Joey Styles, so far, just as bombastic as Vince McMahon, just as annoying, just as overselly. But and he's by himself. Can we give him credit there? Yeah, I'll give him credit that, there. That he has nobody to work with. It's just him. Yeah, so I, I agree. But he, he was good when he had partners later on. In the, like he was. Joel Gertner and yeah. Cyrus. He yeah. was good. Anyway, belly to belly by Taz. Bunch of guys run out to break this up, including the rotten Z and N Axel and their skeleton yeah, shirts. Bad skeleton shirts. And the pit bulls with like their shiny tights. So yeah, extreme. Pre breakup rottens because yes. I mean, early in their careers, they would be broken up. So yeah, they were. They yeah. had a feud. Yeah. They had a big feud. Joey yells like Vince about how extreme this is to prove my point. Well, it's pretty this extreme. is extreme. This is extreme. Like, now, it's the same now, thing. I forgot to tell you. Um, there is this era right after the Shane Douglas incident, which this is. Yeah, this happened. It goes on for about six months mm-hmm. where Joey, like, more than he ever does and more than in later periods, hammers home the extreme because they're trying to, like, yeah. brand that shit. Absolutely. So, and and they should. Yeah. I'm not saying they shouldn't. Right. They, it, it does get a little annoying, though, in this era because they literally have to say extreme, like, 45 times a show because they, they have to. Right? And he does, yeah. yeah. They have to get it over. I totally yeah. understand. So everyone leaves, and then Tads grabs a chair, throws it in the ring, then he runs around the ring, and then he chases someone that Joey keeps calling Jason, but it's not that Jason. It's, it's like a photographer. It's, I guess it's never clarified ever. Is this, like, another guy <laughs> named Jason, or did he think it was Jason? <laughs> it looked nothing like, like him. Can, like, it's also, like, perfectly reasonable to think Joey got confused in right. the chaos of, like, literally, like, everyone on the roster, like, running all over the place. Yeah. Is that he thought it was Jason still, and then he wasn't right, and he fucked up, but they just didn't edit it or something. It's I don't possible. Yeah, yeah, no, that's possible what happened. Then the fat rottens come back out again, and Taz runs away to chase uh, Dean Malenko to the back. We cut to Joey at the hospital, who says nothing and throws to comments from Sandman and Tommy before their eye quit match. So again, we keep throwing to Joey and he's got no updates for us. He's got no news. It's because he can't blow the surprise at the end, right? For the mm-hmm. viewers who don't know, who didn't go to the event. So it's almost like a, a carny tactic, right? Right. It's almost like, he's like you know, why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'll, you're going to find out. But also, this is live. Yes, like, don't forget, this yeah. is very live. So it's already happened, <laughs> Yes, kind of. <laughs> right. It's very weird. Tommy in his nice purple t-shirt explain how he's not afraid or something like that. Why is he like in like a Janet Jackson video or something? <laughs> like like the backstage, like where the dancers would warm up. It's <laughs> all like, it looks like very purple in the background. And he's even wearing gear that has purple accents. Yeah. Like he, he looks like he's like furniture in this room. <laughs> furniture it's weird <laughs> then we get clips of woman taunting a caned tommy dreamer under that imitation nfl film song that was playing yeah. we actually like we're theorizing it's like did actually paul boldly use nfl films music just like might've. an asshole and then but it's weird. then it got taken away because his music is so happy and it's just like woman taunting tommy dreamer and then sandman beating him up and there's like film strip graphics and i i actually think that what it was was this is they used the intense nfl films music the like dun, 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 like that right, music right. but because like it has like the same rhythm as the like happier fake edition is like it's just a poor choice of overdubbing it is poor and even we the reason why i do think they used nfl films for real is because the um the way the edit shot you know what i'm talking With about the film strip they had like a film strip thing so like weird. like very corny like 
You know, like really stuff cheesy. that like comes with the like program or whatever they use to edit <laughs> the, the it. demo feature on yeah. the fucking program. Yeah, like yeah. So backstage or in the laundry room at Paul's mom's house or whatever it is, yeah. a woman yells at Sandman about how he's not allowed to quit. Sandman says basically nothing. Woman says, "I'm going to go get my nails done." Now this is like very poor softcore porn. Like this, <laughs> the very, acting, like, the subservient. Like yeah. she's like, "I'm going to give it to you," kind of thing. Yeah. Like and I'm like get my nails done. And meanwhile, like the same as like i'll do it like yeah like this weird like it's almost like an snm sort of thing going on it's really strange it's not that good yeah it's not no it's, <laughs> it's not good it's not good i, I did say poor so you did say porn. poor yeah back to joey who still isn't saying anything outside the hospital. And he can't give it away. And, We're right here. And now he's told they can't even enter the hospital yet. Yeah. So why is he, Why does he need to be there? Yeah. He well, can't even do anything. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> we cut to the I Quit match from earlier tonight. You said, Quinn, woman is looking uh, very hookery tonight. Oh, very. Very hookery. She's got like a black like mini skirt, but like really tight and like white tights or something like like she looks like a streetwalker she really does yeah. actually woman of course being nancy benoit nancy yeah. sullivan tommy enters in his suspenders attire that he yeah. still had on here right. <laughs> and he's got he's carrying with him like the front quarter panel of a car or something yeah, i don't know what that's about where did he get that by the way i don't know probably from an extreme junkyard probably from his car <laughs> <laughs> you said uh, you like how fat sandman looks here yeah I, it is good because to me it captures I didn't like when he got like too muscular yeah, later. I was like, later. no, like Sandman is a sloppy asshole. Like that is his character. Yeah, he's like the Al Bundy of hardcore. He smokes cigarettes, he drinks beer, and yet he has always like a hot girl with him. Yeah. But it's almost like supposed to be like insulting. Like, right. really? Why is she with him? <laughs> he doesn't even try. Yeah. So Dreamer throws the car thing at him, then very weakly hits him with it a few times. Then some mm -hmm. kicks to the balls, more bad car shots, then a, a scrotum shot. Sandman finally bails. And you said that you wish Tommy had abandoned this attire it's by now. It's unnecessary by this point. He could just wear the pants and the cowboy boots that he had on. Like, he didn't need those suspenders anymore. And, like, at, seriously, like, it should have been, like, a sign to make him remind him about the Singapore caning is that right. he never wore the suspenders again. That's what I would have said. Yeah. Plus, those suspenders, Quinn, I can clearly see they're not holding up his pants. No, they're, they're decorative. For, they're for style or decoration or whatever. Very extreme. Yeah. So a crappy kick by Tommy outside. Then he just leans on Sandman with a chair. And you ask me, what's the ref's name again? Bill Molecule. What's his name? <laughs> like, I, it's actually John Finnegan or Ray Finnegan. But or, he has like a twin. Like there's, He looks like Molecule. It's weird that ECW has their version of the Hebners. <laughs> and there literally is one with an evil goatee. But they look <laughs> exactly the same. Jim Molyneux is the other one. Yeah, but this isn't him. So then someone hands Tommy an Andre the Giant style crutch. The one from like SummerSlam or whatever yes. that was. Yeah. I got beaten. That's and he a disaster. Was with the yeah, that crap. Embarrassing. Yeah. They stumble around to do nothing for a while until Sandman hits a snap suplay on the, on the outside there. And then we get an extreme cross face chicken wing by uh, you Sandman. You got to attempt to make him quit, Joe. It is an I quit match. That is a submission move. Yeah, but if Bob Backlund does it, it's horrible. Well, Sandman does it, and it's oh, greatest uh, promotion ever. I will one defense. Well, of a it. car part. One defense. It's not for forty-five minutes. That's true. <laughs> More nothing on the inside here. Literally, they're just like bumbling around. This sucks. Vertical yeah. suplex by Sandman. The ref asks Tommy if he wants to quit after a suplex. <laughs> this becomes a trend in the match. It's like if something like somewhat devastating happens, he asks them if they want to quit, not if they're in a submission hold, which yeah. I just think is really funny after but like actually, an impact move yeah to be 
to be fair, this is kind of setting the stage for the ending because of the actual thing that does yeah. cause the Quidditch. We'll see what happens with the Quidditch here. Back outside and Salmon with a crummy chair shot or two to Tommy yeah. Dreamer. You said you like the biker man in the front row. Yeah, there's there's a lot of weird people in the in the audience right now. Bunch and of the, characters. But biker man is there. There is such a charm to the crowd at these things. Like, because it's you know it's the same group of idiots in the front like every, every fucking show, show for years and it's almost like they're like characters like in the stories even. yeah like it's weird they're background extras or yeah. something right so tommy gets a, a nice skillet shot to the sandman and then he jams the handle on the sandman's neck maybe next he'll make him an omelet with rotten eggs now, that'd be really extreme we forgot to mention that the music that tommy dreamer came to was like the music from the ecw dvd when they were like explaining this feud in yeah, the that's first true. place that's true and i also want to say about uh, say that because regarding the rotten egg skillet thing or (laughs) whatever yes is that Tommy when they're doing that mentions that there was like a bring your own weapons night which it's almost inferred that it was the same night as this in the DVD yeah it's not said but it's talked about around the same time and I know there's like a trend of that happening where they they jumble their memories up and I'm wondering because of the the sorts of shit we're seeing handed to them that like maybe this was that it could have been it bring your own weapons night it could have been it yeah we get some more listless brawling outside as Joey is again in Vince mode this is where I just want to pause and say like this isn't good. It's not good. This really isn't. How, and if this was happening in some other promotion, Quinn, you'd be all over it and saying how boring it is. This is such junky brawling. Let me explain the defense. Go uh, ahead. Just, just let me explain the defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because somebody's got to play the defender of ECW here, right? No Some, one has to. Somebody's got to take the may. mantle. I'm not, um, I ain't doing it. They don't have a lot to work with. Their budget is very low. Yeah, I agree. But they don't like let this shit get them down. They accentuate the positives. Shut you know? up, Heyman. I'm just saying that's more than we can say about like Southwest or something. Southwest is good, man. Don't you ever what be smart Southwest Championship Wrestling. Not that one. What Mufez. am I saying? Yeah, that one. That one sucked. What are you talking about? That was terrible. It's just as good as that's this. That's the one where they had the two guys speaking two languages for some reason on the same frame. It's just like, as good as this. It was no. very exciting and it was a lot earlier than this. Are you kidding me? Back in and uh, Sandman with a sloppy flying clothesline from the top rope. Joey says he went up like a cat. Accentuate the positives, Joe. Yeah, cat. Maybe Garfield. (laughs) Body slammed by Sandman. He goes back up again and hits an elbow so bad that even Jerry Sags would be like, dude, that sucked. Even I can't defend this elbow. Like, I was saying to you, it's like when Sandman went to wrestling school. They told him, like, oh, make sure you protect yourself when you come off. That's like a good thing, right? Yes. But the problem is, is that Sandman took that advice way too hard. He, like, will protect himself not even like he doesn't even get halfway through the jump it's like he lets his legs drop awful like earlier than he needs awful, to quinn yeah awful and then he does it again yeah then he misses a flying axe handle dreamer hits a ddt he grabs a chair outside sets up a pile driver onto it sandman won't quit though at least the ref isn't like roddy piper or wrestlemania 11 where what do you say yeah <laughs> what do you say every he's three very seconds respectful is john finnegan i will say <laughs> he, is he doesn't very- get he doesn't go into business for himself in the mic and i also must respect that he doesn't wait for the timekeeper to hand him the mic. He he like holds the mic. Has the, he has his yeah. hand on the on off switch. <laughs> He's not like, screwing whole, around. Like, he takes command of this, and he I have does. to respect uh, Molecule Junior here over there. <laughs> now the ring mat is all crinkly, by the way, <laughs> which I didn't realize you didn't notice I didn't. earlier in the show. Like, I didn't. It was doing that when like Jason and Dean Malenko were in the ring in the first match. It's so crinkly. Yeah, Sandman hits a very junky, dangerous looking pile driver, Quinn. That's like a typical Sandman pile driver. Yeah, it doesn't look good. 
I, Sam Man is one of the worst wrestlers ever. However, he it's the look and the entrance is yeah. what he has going on. You said actually, it feels like when you're like wrestling with your friends at a, at your friend's house, and you're not sure if you're doing the moves right. right. It's like this might not end well, but I'm gonna take the chance. <laughs> like you know, like, it's like I've been it's there. All, I've been all, there. It's only carpet and a couch. Yeah, I right. Mean, like it can't be that bad, right? No, it can't be. And then uh, the moment Quinn Sam Man lights a cigarette, hits his pile driver again, but Dreamer won't quit, and then. He throws the cigarette in Sandman's eye. Big deal. As woman finally gets involved, she's done nothing the whole match. She tries to get the kendo stick on, he on t- Dreamer. She, he, uh, yeah, and Dreamer takes it from her, whacks Sandman with it. Sandman quits because of his eye. Tommy gets all concerned. Bill Molecule and uh, Todd Gordon himself come out to help the Sandman. We Tom, get a, Tommy's like, I didn't mean it. Yeah, he's like, getting all concerned, he's, like, right? yelling it in the ring. We get a stretcher. The mm-hmm. pit bulls in their sweatpants come out. And shirts. Some, which is rare. <laughs> some guy that looks like Terry Bradshaw. Maybe it was Terry yeah. Bradshaw. You never know. Mm-hmm. They get Sandman out of here. Uh, Todd Gordon helps carry the stretcher. We go backstage and a uh, woman says bastard a real lot uh, at Tommy Dreamer. Mm-hmm. Bastard, bastard, bastard. Public enemies holding her back like with the pit bulls. You know, Tommy didn't mean it, Nancy. And the wrestlers are like, get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah. you screwed it all. Like, that kind of thing. Like, yeah. it's all real. It's very realistic. Mm-hmm. You have to admit that yeah. much. A very uh, comforting Todd Gordon says to Sam, man, it's okay, Jim. It's okay, Jim. He called him his name, Joe. <sighs> oh, my God. Wow. So extreme, Quinn. <sighs> Sam is doing a good job selling this, though. You have to admit. I will admit. That's the one good thing he's done this entire show is now, sell this injury. Joey had said something about his retina fell out and his cornea we'll was that, stretched. Yeah. We'll get to that. So Todd Gordon yells at Dreamer to get out of here and get the cameras out of here. And you can hear the camera ops saying, no, keep rolling, keep rolling. Right. As like Gordon's like shoving the cameras out of the way, which is a nice couple, touch. A couple of hands over over the camera yeah. like two or three guys like get the fuck out and of here. i'll give them that that's a great touch and they also have to blur they also have to beep some stuff like yes. the curses like, yes so yeah. much cussing this cussing well, is very it, this is real backstage right this is this is real you know the yeah. other wrestling that's fake but ecw they're real basically it's interpreted that everything up to the cigarette thing was fake Yes. Like, is that, am I right there? But why would you watch again if you know everything else is fake and this is real? Well, because this is for Smarks, Joe. It's about the performance. It's basically, they were going to do an angle where his eye got burned, but it went wrong. And that's what we're supposed to believe. I guess you're is, right that, there. Is that what the actual structure of this yes, is? Yes, that's what the structure of it is. I'm not yeah. saying I agree with the structure, but we go back to Joey at the hospital and we're uh, we're still not allowed inside, so that was fucking useless. Sandman's eyelid is like torn off or something, Joey it's says. Retina scorched. I, he says a <laughs> bunch of stuff. We need that doctor from the Jake Roberts thing. Like, yeah. not till next week, Jake. <laughs> yeah. Not until next week. Yeah. <laughs> so just so you know, uh, we make fun of Mean Gene. But yeah. uh, Gabe Sapolsky will rep- will be <laughs> yeah. reporting all his findings on the hotline, the ECW hotline, Quinn. Okay. And that's the end of the show. Now, so I know you have some problems with this. I have problems overall with ECW being treated like the best thing ever when it, it was at best in 94, a promotion that was willing to take risks because the stakes were so low. Mm-hmm. They didn't have anything to really lose. So I don't think it's... I mean, what we watched today outside of the storyline of Sandman Dreamer was horrible. Right. To be fair, like if, if it was any other promotion, you would have been crapping all over it. However, it does help that I've seen this year and I know like that I this know. is part of a bigger puzzle. I know um, that. And, and I've seen it too. But I'm this, not ep- a this noob. episode, when I first saw it, yeah. to me, was notable for this story because... It's so out of nowhere with the way ECW is. It's like, even though ECW was always like, people think like, oh, it really hurts. And there's there's some edge of realness to it. Yeah. Never had they overtly come out 
and said this part was real. Like that's true. Like this is very different for the, the like anything on WCW WWF. I know you make fun of the names thing, but it, it breaks the veneer a little bit. It does. It does say no, Nancy and Jim. Yeah, like it, it does. It does seem like a different thing. It does. But wouldn't you say that? What's the point of? acting like you're breaking kayfabe like what does that really do in the long term it doesn't well, see, really this is where i anything. where i defend ecw a little bit here yeah. their breaking of kayfabe was to get a kayfabe storyline over they were using breaking the veneer to sell a fake injury but they so, could have like, done that without trying to peel it back. To, I mean, I don't even have a problem with the way they did it. I just don't think ECW was the be-all and the end-all and changed the business as much what, as people say. What I'm trying to say, I think that this angle is actually very influential because we watch a lot of storylines even now to this day. And actually, it's only been recently where they use the sheets against them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. That's what ECW is kind of doing here. They have their own hotline, like yeah. the official one, but I'm sure there was other bullshit on the internet sure. too at the well, time. Meltzer was already doing the Observer long, right. you know, for a long time. But they're trying they're really mixing things around. And and rumor has it is Sandman legit stayed in his house for a month or something. That's which, what Paul said, yeah. Yeah. So I mean Listen, I'll give him that. Yeah. That's that's keeping kayfabe. That's not breaking. And so that's cool. Yeah. I think overall with this show, let's before we wrap up here, let's just briefly compare and contrast it to what the big two were doing because wwf at this time in october of 94 really wasn't very good television this is no. like the build to the survivor series right the doink jerry lawler feud with all the midgets and all that and it's all not good duke yeah. the dumpster just yeah. shit like that so totally totally a refreshing alternative like overall ecw was and wcw was in the midst of like it's hogan and crony era was starting up yeah so we're getting now that's like reverting back to like 1990 yeah. or something yeah so in that light I will say this was definitely different. Like Paul likes to position it as like the Nirvana or the grunge. I would uh, say that's a correct and statement. And it's correct. Yeah. This is at least different, but I just want to, you know, I don't want it to be too mythical here. A lot of the shit that they did was also very boring and by the book. Right. And, you know, a lot of that, there's, it's like twofold. A lot of that is trying to appeal to the existing audience, yeah. but taking, taking risks Yes. on other things and mixing it together, right? Because you have a typical chicken shit heel angle with Jason. Yeah, well, it's but, just not that good. But then the other the other 50% of the show is devoted to this realistic angle. Yeah, and so, I also will say I like the the I liked the Dean Malenko and Taz right. interplay. That was good. Right. But like, there is good stuff. Don't get me wrong. So overall, I'd say it's a good show. Right. And it's a definitely a refreshing alternative to what especially WWF, and I love them, was not good during this yeah. period of time. I think it's also, um, on top of the refreshing thing, mm -hmm. I think when you look at the year date, it's surprising. That they were doing something like this that early and not in like 97. Right. That I'll give you. So overall... Decent show, mostly boring, but there were some good highlights. Is that right. a yeah. fair way to put it? I think that's that's fair way. It was a more story-driven episode of it ECW. Was. 
this illustrates the thing about ECW that people tend to forget. They think it was all brawling and that this story part was lost. Yeah. I think the writing was there in ECW in 94 and 95, and that's what gets overlooked. And they had a lot of traditional story uh, wrestling elements, you know, right. that you would yeah. find anywhere else. So speaking of uh, slices, we'll be back next week for another slice of retro wrestling. But thanks so much for being with us here for episode number 94. Next week, Quinn, we jump into 1995. That'll be, uh, yeah. that'll well, be very interesting. Yeah. And in the meantime, folks, let us know if you have anything you want to say. You can give us a Mount Rushmore and Death Valley suggestion. You can give us your feedback. You can just reach us if you want to talk about the retro wrestling. Do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Email us at OVPpodcast at gmail.com. Send in your OVP 100 clips. And if you want to donate, of course, you can do that at patreon.com slash OVP Podcast and join the group for some great retro wrestling talk. But until next time, I am Joe Murata. That is Michael Quinn. And we are getting out of here. See ya. When you want a hot meal without a big deal, what are you going to pick? Hot Pocket. When a hungry bunch shows up for lunch, what are you going to pick? Hot Pocket. Hot Pockets, filled with delicious pepperoni pizza, chicken and cheddar, or ham and cheese in a crispy pocket. When it's late at night and you want a tasty bite, what are you going to pick? Hot Pocket. The hot meal in a pocket. What are you going to pick? I don't know! Try Lee Pockets, too.